and welcome everyone to another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host Callahan and we have a great show lined up for you all today. But before we get into all of that, I just want to thank you all for joining us this week. If you like this episode or any of the episodes that we do here on this channel, uh, please make sure to like, subscribe and comment down below. Uh, if you want access to our Discord server, as well as kind of help craft some of the content that we get, sometimes we ask the uh, patrons what they would like to see. Go head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sculptures or check out the link in the description. Also, if you like any of the uh, cards that we're talking about or are interested in any of the decks that are associated with these cards, head on over to our TCG Player affiliate link as well, and you can pick up those cards down there help support the channel as well as stuff like Major League Commander. So uh, with that being said, uh, about a little over a year ago, which is bananas to me that it's been a year, a uh, good friend, uh, well, I guess at the time we weren't a good friend. We were just getting to know each other at that point. Um, stopped by and we did a the definitive CEDH tier list. Uh, and so joining us again from Playing With Power is uh ryan ryan how's it going today it is going great thank you very much for having me back yeah absolutely always a pleasure always thank you always a pleasure to do stuff pleasure to be here yeah and uh also returning is uh my lovely canadian co-host uh is uh the the frenchman himself pongo Bonjour. <laughs> How are you doing today, Pongo? Uh, exhausted. I only I f- got like four hours of sleep last night. So, Oof. you know, that seems to be going around. I got next to no sleep last night. I kind of, I was telling Ryan yeah. this before we went live. Uh, it's, I I woke up in a sweat and panicked out of the middle of the night. And I have no idea why. Um, My cat just decided to wake me up. Oh, isn't that the screaming. best? Yeah. <laughs> He was just screaming and he was screaming not for anything in particular, just because he wanted his sister to come play with him. So he wasn't even screaming at us. So I woke up all worried because my cat's screaming. And sure enough, he's just looking for my other cat. (laughs) Ah, cats. (laughs) You gotta love them. Gotta Gotta love them. Three in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Three thirty in the morning. Waking us up. Well, uh, like I said, just a few moments ago, about a year ago. Um, which I, it's insane to me that it's been almost a year at this point. Um, Ryan came on and we did the definitive CEDH tier list. And now we're going to be doing the even more <laughs> definitive CEDH tier list. Um, and so uh, the three of us are going to go through and we're kind of going to go through. What is it? The, the different tiers uh, of. You know, like you do on a S tier, A tier, B, C, D, E, and F. Um, if either of you put Lavinia in F tier, you're dead to me. Uh, Ooh, just saying. I, that I guess right I should disconnect back. now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so starting us off, you know, the guests always go first. We're going to start with uh, Kess Distant Mage. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and start us off on Kess Distant Mage. Yeah. So basically, um, I can't remember exactly where I had it last time, but. I know that Kest is was a definitive, you know, Grixis uh, commander for the longest time in the CDH space. And 
the thing is, is that with the printing of Commander Legends and all the really powerful partners and all the stuff that's been going on in the brewing space, unfortunately, we're seeing Kess getting pushed farther and farther back. Mm -hmm. She's not getting worse. She's just kind of staying the same and everything else is just getting better. So Kess having her ability to recur from the graveyard and do all that kind of stuff with these really cool combo lines has been fantastic. But she's unfortunately getting pushed out by Roger Silas. She's right. getting pushed out by Tevishzot Krom, you know, these commanders that are providing card advantage in the command zone, allowing you to go deeper in on a more turbo strategy. Her primary thing has always been kind of turbo Nas, and she's got a couple other things. But not having that advantage in the command zone is really starting to make her show her age, if you will, versus yeah. the better things that are out there. So while I think Kess is great, you're really starting to feel that in today's metas where that commander that where that advantage in the command zone from things like Tevish or things like Krom um, not getting that card draw. So you can power out these commanders early that she's really starting to feel that, in my opinion. So I would probably put her like she's still good. She's still in Grixis. She's still in red, which is really important right now in our meta. Right. So my initial gut check, if you will, for where Kess is, is probably in the B tier. B tier. You know, I used to put her in A tier. You know, I can't remember exactly where I put her last time, but I'm thinking that she's starting to fall into the B tier just because there's just so many great options for Grixis nowadays. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Paco, what do you what are your thoughts on not only that take, but where, you know, good old Kess falls? Well, let me you know, start off by saying, uh, unlike last year, I'm going to try to take a more uh, serious, not serious. That's not the, the wrong word. Less meme approach. A, a less meme approach. This <laughs> time. I like the meme approach. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and you know what? Maybe I'll do that next year. Okay. Um, Every other on, year. On, on part three. <laughs> and even, we'll, even, we'll, even more. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do one one year off, one year on sort of thing. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Give um, some variety. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. Because, you know, some, some people... While some people enjoyed it, other people just clearly skipped to the very end and didn't actually listen to the video. Yeah. And so I have to imagine that these are also the people who don't read the article or, you know, who who just like skip directly to the comments and like start shouting kind of? because of from the title. Um, so so as a result, I, I did want to try to be, uh, you know, to, to try to actually take the exercise uh, a little more seriously. And, uh, you know, in that spirit, I actually am going to start off before even talking about Kess, just kind of trace out some of my thoughts for, you know, what makes commanders get into certain tiers. So, like, quite simply, I'm just going to define, like, what an S-tier commander is kind of for me. And then everything from that point on will kind of just get... All right, Socrates, a little bit I weaker. see we're defining terms. <laughs> I like it. Okay, yeah. So, so the glad S I went first and now I look like a clown. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, ah, I don't know, Kess is in B, go ahead. <laughs> Ooh, philosophically, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so, so, so people understand kind of some of my reasoning for some of these choices. Um, the first thing I'll say is that just because I'm going to put, in some cases, two commanders in the same tier doesn't mean that they're like equally powerful. Um, you know, within a tier, I think that there can still be some variability in power level. Um, I'm also going to say that what makes an S tier commander first and foremost for me is going to be probably 
access to a lot of colors. And I know that that's going to be kind of unpopular for, for some people, but I do think that access to a lot of colors is probably one of the most important things in this format. It's not enough. However, um, that's kind of just, um, it's a, you know, it's a factor. It's, it's an, it's an important factor. And I think that S tier commanders will have some combination of, of these factors. So generally going to have lots of colors. Um, these commanders should also be really powerful combo enablers. And what is a combo enabler in this case? I'm defining it as either a combo piece in and of itself or as an outlet for a combo. Um, and the final factor that I'm considering is, is powerful value generation. So that would be either card draw, tutoring, or providing additional options for spending mana. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be purely card draw, um, but it does have to be some form of value. All right. So now that we've kind of got a, you know, all Man, these terms out of working, the way. Making content with Charles has really changed you. <laughs> I, I, I've been here well was, before was Charles. That a, was that a compliment or was that an insult? Char- We're not really Charles, sure that flies on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Charles, Charles merely adopted WinCon list stacks, but I was born in it. I, <laughs> I was melded by it. Um, oh, so good. returning to Kess, so I, I'm actually, I, I do agree with your take, Ryan, in the sense that I agree with everything that you said as far as your evaluation of Kess is concerned. Um, I'm still going to put Kess in the A tier, however. Um, you know, I, I agree with your takes, but I think that um, she does check enough boxes, you know, in terms of access to colors. Um, not enough colors to quite make it into S tier. Uh, she's a powerful combo enabler, which mm-hmm. a lot of people disregard in the sense that yeah. she does have her combo with demonic consultation. Um, in addition, she, you know, is not necessarily the most powerful value generating commander from a purely card draw perspective, but provides a lot of resiliency in the command zone. Um, and being able to tutor twice using Kess yeah. can also be incredibly powerful. For yep. example, for establishing um, like certain two card combos. Um, like mm-hmm. Underworld Breach or, you know, establishing your uh, Thassa's Oracle lines and stuff like that. So I do think that, um, you know, while there are other Grixis options, she remains one of the powerful Grixis options. Um, and so you're probably going to, you know, rather than me putting some of these in the B tier because, you know, we've got new options, you'll probably just see me putting more of these in the A tier. Okay. That makes sense yeah. to me. I... So it's interesting to me. Um, it's it's no secret if you listen to the show or you watch me tweet or uh, any 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 of those things is that I think ad nauseum is severely overrated, mm. and I think uh, mid range is uh, very 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 good, and it's generally where I like to be. And I I think. So there's two two things for me, because everybody, you know, Ryan, you compared it to like Rog Silas, right? Um, Rog Silas, I, I think Ian from Comedian MTG, he and I were talking the other day, and he d- explained it the best way, and I think it's the perfect way of explaining it, is Rog Silas um, pretends that it's going to have any interaction. Um, and it like lies to itself that it's going to do anything interactive into the in the game. He said it much more funny than that. And it was a very funny comment. However, the point within it is very true. Right. And I think right now. Interaction is 
very valuable. And I think Kess adds a lot of that replayability, that ability that um, you get to have these things over and over and over again. And it is you're able to play mid range in the three best colors in Commander, arguably, right? Uh, probably one of, if not the the best wedge wedges available or uh, shards, wedge, shards, whatever the three <clears throat> color pairings. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever term we want to use for them. And uh, for me, I, I don't think it's quite S tier because I, I, I do think that uh, losing access to green and or white is it's rough, um, but also it would make it a completely inaccessible commander. I mean, just look at Brea, right? Um, so for me, I think it's about a middling A tier commander. Um I think that if you want to be playing a Grixis mid-range strategy, this is probably where you want to be at personally. I think that's a really good point, mostly because of what you said of if you're playing a Grixis mid-range strategy, right? all decks nowadays that are going Grixis are going turbo and they are sacrificing so much card quality for speed. Oh Um, yeah. We're seeing things like Memnite being run in main deck. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a zero drop in and my culling ritual makes it, you know, give me four mana. That's so good. And then there's no worse feeling than being completely blown out and having no cards in hand. And then on your draw step, you draw Memnite. Well, you're and, like, oh, and this is awful. You know, I, you you talked about this a little bit with Ian on your recent podcast with him mm-hmm. of how people see the big explosive plays from ad nauseum mm-hmm. decks and think, oh, my gosh, this is the way to go. But don't see the other games of man this deck just sometimes you just draw like ass and uh, just draw awful yeah that's exactly right and sometimes you just don't add nauseum into anything mm-hmm. um so it, it's very interesting but uh moving on to our next card on the list is a card that i actually think is fairly similar to Kess in a lot of regards uh is Zer the enchanter um, and this is a card that used to be one of the boogeymen of the format, right? Like we used to think is this is one of the best decks around long, like before partner came around and even for a while while partner was here. Um, so Ryan, going back to you, uh, what is your take on Zer now? I know that there isn't a lot of innovation going on around Zer. Uh, people are kind of looking at some more other options, but what do you, what do you think about Zer right now? So Zer always gets, you know, any new three CMC enchantment is potentially a Zer toy to use. Um, But let's face it. What Zer is, is Necropotence in the command zone. That's what it's always been. That's what it still currently is. According to the last time I've looked at a Zer lists, Um, Zer is just really sitting at the back of, you know, at the back of the table right now, still doing, a lot of the same things. There haven't been really any new tech that's really pushed Zer back into the forefront again. We've seen all kinds of really crazy things that have come out that have pushed commanders, like the partners from Commander Legends and stuff, mm-hmm. up to the top ranks and and giving, you know, all these new toys that kind of take things out of oblivion or out of the the annals of history and putting them back in. And Zer just hasn't really had anything in the mm-hmm. last 12, 18, 24 months that has really said, okay, now Zer's a thing again. Um, being able to, you're having to push, you know, three colors uh, in Esper, which is good. Um, it suffers from lack of red. And that's a real thing in CDH right now. Mm-hmm. Losing things like Dockside, losing things like Breach. You're really feeling that 
in this meta right now where if you don't have access to Reddit, it, it really starts to put you down versus those that do. And Zerr not having access to Red just kind of keeps getting a little bit worse every year because it's not because there's nothing that else that Zer is getting that's making it better. Um, I'm sure there's a couple of things that I'm forgetting or omitting that might have been a nice toolbox piece for Zer. But for the most part, it's still always the strat is always still to get Necropotence. Right. Necropotence is absolutely strong. It's a great card. It, that, that's never not been the case. But having to try and connect, having to land Zer, resolve Zer, wait the turn cycle, then attack with Zer is a lot of setup compared to what we have today, where you can explode out a Krom, turn right. one, turn sideways, hit the other Adnos player, and then keep drawing cards. Like that's really good in comparison to what Zer was doing, which seems like glacially slow by today's standards, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to put Zer in the C tier. Um, yes, I know that it is Necropotence, but there's a lot to get to that Necropotence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't call it card advantage in the command zone unless you consider it more of, you know, some other type of card advantage versus just the raw like drawing card card advantage. There's arguments to be made there. Um, it doesn't win you the game. It's not like an outlet kind of going on what Pongo's kind of criteria was, which is good criteria, I think, by the way. Um, I'm going to put it in the C tier, not 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 a not a dead commander and can still win its share of games, but just not super well poised right now. And just, you know, people like to play with their new toys and yeah. sometimes things get pushed to the back as a result of that. So I'm right. going to put it in C. All right. Pongo. Uh We've got a C here from Zer. Or what are we getting out of you? I feel like I'm running back the exact same comments from last time where like I do agree with a lot of what Ryan's saying, but I'm not sure that I'm evaluating it as catastrophically as Ryan. Um, Maybe me, I'm just like overly harsh on these commanders. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I need to stop being a Debbie Downer. Is what it is. <laughs> well, hold on. Well, I, we'll come back to that when we get to Goto, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, You've got me there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give Zer a, a solid B. Um, I don't think Zer quite makes it into the A tier anymore. Um, that being said, I do think that Zer is somewhat underestimated these days just by mm-hmm. virtue of the fact that he seems to have fallen off the face of the earth. Um, I don't know anyone who like pilots Zer much anymore. And I, I actually did play against Zer not that long ago uh, in, in paper against a buddy of mine. Um, and so that deck is still quite scary. There's no doubt about that. Zer is still very powerful. Necropotence in the command zone is still quite insane. Um, that being said, I do agree with your take that um, you do feel the lack of red. Um, you do feel your ad nauseum being a little less consistent um, the lack of explosiveness relative to uh, the blue, black, red decks. Um, you know, all that being said, I am hard pressed to give any commander that's blue, black plus another color um, with, you know, relevancy. The commander is is also relevant. And I do think Zer is very relevant. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to be hard pressed to give any of them less than a B um, mm-hmm. just by virtue of how powerful that uh, color combination is mm-hmm. um, and you know again I mean the commander has to pull some weight but Zura certainly does yeah I okay so you all make very valid points but I'm probably going to over evaluate a card 
for a minute, so bear with me. I think people are playing Zer wrong. Um, and I think a lot of your points kind of point me in this direction. Um, we talk about how Zer doesn't have access to red, right? I would say right now, if you're trying to do a turbo strategy and you don't have red in your command zone, you're not doing a great job at playing yeah. turbo. You're just at least um, a half a turn slower. Than exactly. Yeah, with yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, um, you know, to me, I, I kind of feel the same way about Kes as I do with Zer is um, I think a really good example of this is like you look at, well, even Brea, I think, is comparable in this regard. Um, I go back to what I when I was talking with Ian last night is we were looking at like some of the Brea lists that are out there right now. And it's very clear that they're just trying to shove Timnacrom Breach mm-hmm. into Brea. And that's not what Brea is, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I feel kind of the same way about Zur and Kess, where they're like trying to do all these turbo things and they're not commanders that lend themselves to turbo strategies. Um, now, Zur used to be very quick, but when you look at what the quick meant, right, years ago, it's very different than what we mean now. Correct. Um, and so I think Zur is an incredibly solid mid-range commander. I think it's an A-tier commander right next to Kess, personally. Um, and I, I kind of evaluate it the same way. Um, and this, talking about this, honestly, has made me just want to brew around Zur. Uh, because it's just like it feels so obvious to me that this is a mid-range card we play a grinded out like mid-rangey game play a lot of value use your command zone to your advantage um and instead it seems people are like oh esper turbo Nas. and it it's it's not that we have esper turbo Nas, and we you know what i mean so that's kind of how i feel about it um I'm probably giving I'm probably it, it probably should be in B tier, honestly. But I I I feel confident that if it was given the same attention that other commanders were given right now, it would be a solid A tier commander. Um it's kind of how I feel about it. That's interesting. Mostly because so many people now um are automatically thinking can this be turbo nos because it has yep. black you know and so because of that now we have a situation where we're looking at um we're looking at commanders that o- only fit into that and there's a certain degree of inbreeding that ends up happening Very because much. of it uh so we have a lot of inbreeding that happens in our format so and then there's me out here just trying to sack a academy rector and Exactly. And and, and so people are like, oh, well, can it be Turbo Nas? Well, they can't. Then I'm not going to try. Well, that was a flash problem we had. And not to get too far off onto a sideline, be like, well, if it couldn't beat flash, then I'm not even going to bother. A lot of people are starting to say that about things like Turbo Nas. Well, if it can't be Turbo Nas, then I'm not even going to bother. And it's like, well, no, mid range still has its place in this meta. People just for some reason aren't trying it anymore. And maybe it's because something about the flashiness of Turbo Nas and the and the fun factor of, you know, flipping these cards and doing all these things and stuff like that. And there's also a level of it. This is also kind of why most people don't choose to play stacks either. Right. Like 
stacks. I think there's an element to it of it's hard to play those decks. Um, They're not they're decks that require you to your decision making to be good. Um, And like there's a lot of there's a lot of decks that just kind of pilot themselves. Right. Um, And Turbo Nas is not one is not a deck that. Like there is nuance, but it's very easy for turbo like new players to not have the same nuance as an experienced player and still rack up wins. Right. Like, yeah. So whereas with mid range and stacks and control, you really have to know your deck. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and a hot, hot take incoming time. I think that turbo Nas is a way for new commander players and new seed each players to feel like they're very experienced. Um, because I, they're yeah. doing they're, they're doing a lot of stuff and it makes them feel like there's oh I'm doing a lot of things God. I'm really getting this and and you know I don't mean that in any sort of disrespectful way to anybody listening out there I'm not saying that Turbo Nas is a dumb strategy no it's obviously no, no. not we could do um, an entire episode on this alone yeah, <laughs> like, exactly yeah so it, what it is though is that you it, it makes people feel like they're doing a lot because they are casting a lot of spells right and it makes them feel like they're super experienced whereas there's a degree of nuance like you said that a lot of times people miss and mm-hmm. as a result it kind of yeah so Right. On to our next uh, commander, which is a commander we didn't mention last year. And I remember Pongo and I in our uh, set review were like, oh, nobody's going to play this card. Um, is Tevish Zot Doom of Fools. We were all wrong about this card. Um, <laughs> this card uh, turned out to be a, 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 a real commander and so ryan when you look at tevish zot um you know a year ago all of us probably would have been like "Eh, it's it's all right um how do you feel about it now here in the 2021 world so tevish zot obviously is one of the more prolific partners that are currently being played uh they're pairing tevish with just about everything that they can pair it with they're you know they're uh, some of the more some of the heavier hitters right now are your your croms for the Grixis mm-hmm. color pairing and stuff like that. And some people are even but they're doing all kinds of stuff with Tevish. So um, card advantage in the command zone can power it out. Turn one with a jeweled Lotus. That's really great uh, protection. It protects itself with its thralls. Um, and you can also there's a degree of inevitability, like yeah. a certain amount of quote unquote doom <laughs> from Doom of Fools mm-hmm. um, that comes from the fact that it's always ticking up and can eventually steal your commanders like that's devastating in CEDH. You know, the fact that I could steal what is, you know, as Pongo put it, you know, your card advantage engine, your combo enabler or something like that. That's 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 scary, if you will. Um, So people really start to focus on Tevish at the moment it hits the battlefield. And it's really tough to remove. Yeah. Um, Yeah, And yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It's and it's blocks itself. Yeah. Like the turn Six it comes down and two blockers that turns the turn it comes down. Exactly. There it's, is no like, so disgusting. It is unprecedented for a planeswalker design to be that defensive. Well, mm-hmm. for commander, it's not unprecedented. Right? Like they've started to push commander like planeswalkers to have a lot of uh loyalty 
for their mana mm-hmm. cost. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Tevesh Zot, I, I do agree with you in the sense that it is unprecedented because Tevesh Zot takes it to like a whole other level. But, you know, we can look at other Planeswalker commanders, sort of more recent ones in particular. Um, and I think there is, um, there's the one example, uh, the, the name's escaping me right now, the Jund one, the Jund Land Matters one. Um, the oh, uh, Lord, Lord Wingrace. Yeah, Lord, yeah. Lord Wingrace, exactly. Mm-hmm. Lord Wingrace also comes down with quite a lot of loyalty. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't defend himself as well, though. Um, Tevish Zod, I, 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 you're right in the sense that it is unprecedented that he has six loyalty and also gives you two blockers. But I think we're going to see more of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so Ryan, uh, what would you what is your tierless grade for so, this card? Yeah, so I'm definitely going to put this into an A tier or even an S tier um, simply because of everything that we just talked about. There is there's a lot to be said about the com- the the amount of card advantage you're getting in the command zone. We can now build a strategy that allows you to completely puke out your hand you know, jeweled Lotus and the Chrome Ox and the Lotus Pelo and the land or whatever, and get Tevish out because he costs five and just be like, no problem. I'll just protect itself and replenish my hand next turn. Right. Because I'm drawing three cards total that turn or more, depending on what's going on. So the fact that it has this card advantage, it gives us the black color pairing. It's not super restrictive in its cost. You know, yeah, it's five, but you know, that's not hard anymore with jeweled Lotus. Um, I'm going to probably put it into the A tier. Okay. Um, it, it's not a combo outlet, you know, uh, which is fine. You know, that's not a problem. Neither is something like Chrom, uh, neither is something like Temna. But it's sheer card advantage is exactly what we want to power out what we need to to win the game. Mm-hmm. The fact that it creates thralls uh, enables things like culling ritual, uh, right. culling the weak and things like that. Um, and so I would I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with a tier. OK, a tier is where I it enables it. culling ritual, too, though. If you if you give them a green, oh, partner. I mean, yeah, I guess you're yeah. right. Yeah, coloring. Cr- it coloring does both. Yeah. It really does. It, it does just yeah. about everything we want it to it do. It's it really good. It's so wild to me to think about how we just completely wrote off this card a year ago. Nobody thought two licks about this card a year mm-hmm. ago. And I honestly, I think it was Rebel who was the first person to really showcase this card. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was like, oh, oh, OK. Um, and and I, very interesting. Yeah, I saw um, when we were at Tier 1 Con, long story short, uh, one of the semifinals match, uh, one of the players had, was playing, you know, Tevish Krom and uh, activated Krom, uh, held priority and cast Mystic Reflection. Yeah. And so you can create, yeah, with that card, right. it then created, he created two Esper Sentinels, but you can create like, you know, you can create like two dock two sides and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It's yeah. like the, the possibilities are endless, but I, I know that was Mystic Reflection that did that, but it was just, you just not spending any resources to create all these extra advantages is crazy good. Crazy yeah. good. So Pongo, what, uh, where are you, where, what's your tier? Yeah, I think. At? You know, so the thing about Tevesh Zot that I think we grossly misevaluated is just, you know, for a lot of these decks that are very synergy focused around, you know, generating lots of mana quickly to either cast an ad nauseum or, you know, appear into the abyss, um, many of these are going to fall back on just having an outlet in the command zone. 
So there's a great deal of synergy between your deck and your command zone if you're playing a big bomb in your command zone. Traditionally, that's been Krom. Um, but Tevish Sod also fits the bill very, very well, it turns out. Um, so I think Tevish Sod certainly uh, warrants an A. Um, I think that he's very powerful in his, you know, Grixis uh, shell, but also makes a perfectly serviceable um, Sultai commander with Rasios, um, mm-hmm. providing another axis uh, of play for those types of decks, um, providing bodies that are also relevant in that type of shell. Um, yeah, you know, certainly an A-tier commander, lots of colors, uh, powerful value generation, not really a combo enabler, quote-unquote, but, but has a great deal of inevitability, as Ryan said. So, uh, yeah, easy A. Yeah, easy A, man. All right, Emma Stone's proud of you, Pongo. Um, so <laughs> next... Sot is, uh, you know, <laughs> he's, an, <laughs> he's an honor roll student. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, next commander on our list is the five-color uh, king himself, Kenrith the Return King. And I'm pretty sure we all gave this commander an S tier last year. Uh, Ryan, is there any reason in your mind to change that rating for you? No, not at all. Uh, it just does everything you want. It has access to all five colors. It gives you unsurmounted advantage and possible outs in the command zone. You want to build a crazy strong, you know, turn sideways. <clears throat> Kenrith can do that. You want to build a combo deck that wins with your commander. Kenrith does that. You just want to really, you know, a way to gain life to power out a higher turbo Nas. Kenrith does that. There's just so much that this card does. It's just so generically good. Oh, and you know, reanimate things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like it it's does so it un- all. It does it all. It does everything. I actually don't like that about Kenrith. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that it just does it all. I can't tell you the amount of times that I and my team have had conversations about brews, and we were starting down a path, and we we're just like, why don't we just make this Kenrith? And, mm-hmm. and just call it a day. Oh, we could do these partners, but why don't we just make it Kenrith and then have access to the fifth color? It's just like, I don't like commanders like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, part of the fun of commander, even in CEDH, is to create, you know, these things that focus around your commander, the person leading your your army into the battle. It's the whole point commander was created and why that part of the mechanic was there. And the fact that we could just put generic five color does everything you want it to do creates a situation where it doesn't breed a lot of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I love creativity, even in CEDH. And this just really doesn't give us that. I still put him in S. Mm-hmm. He's still fantastic. I Objectively, he's still great. I just don't really like him as a commander. As Outside all. of like higher, who gets really excited to play Kenrith? Well, I mean, if I'm playing Kenrith stacks, I'm pretty excited. Well, I that's think, not I think that because of the sweet. commander, though. See, like also can play stacks. See what no, I'm yeah, saying? That's like I was talking turbo two seconds ago and you also said, yeah, viable as stacks commander. Well, it's like, ah, so I, I actually you know? think that, you know, to your point, Kenrith is kind of the jack of all trades, but he's not the master of everything. Far from it. In fact, um, I think he's kind of a poor choice for a turbo commander um, short of being like a turbo druid commander, for example. Um, which it is, is an excellent turbo druid commander. right where where Correct. you know you you kind of have to look at it you know from from my criteria from before you know he gives you all the colors so that's that's easy and obviously he's a yep. combo enabler because he's an outlet mm-hmm. for a combo um mm-hmm. 
And, you know, he's an outlet for infinite mana combos, which like pretty strong for the most part, especially in red and white now with Dockside. Um, You don't even technically need to be in white for a meal. It's it is nice. I like that combo personally. Um, But like you could be playing like Skirk Prospector loops even. And like Mm -hmm. that's what you would probably be doing in a more turbo oriented shell Um, in any case. um, You know, where is he a little weak? It's on the axis of value generation. Um, And this is where I think that Kenrith actually excels as a stacks commander personally. Um, Because most of his abilities are very inefficient for generating value. Um, They're quite mana intensive. Um, You need to play five mana commander. And then obviously you're paying like four or five mana for like some of the really powerful abilities. Um, Or you could be pumping Kenrith. In any case, you are spending a lot of mana to be doing this stuff very incrementally. And what kind of shells really give you the time to do that when you're soft locking the table or, you know, potentially transitioning into a hard lock? Kenrith, fantastic commander for protecting your board, you know, giving you action economy, all that good stuff. I think he's an S rated commander. I think that people really need to be trying him out in the stack shell. Um, mm. I think the mid range shell is pretty good. I don't think he's a turbo commander though. And I, I agree. With that. I don't think he is a generic like good at People everything. Do it all commander. the time though. Yeah. People do it Underworld, all the time. Underworld King. Yeah. All these. I mean, they. That's what I mean. He just generically does you, this stuff. You can. I so. just think that yeah. he doesn't lend. He doesn't really lend that that much to a lot of those strategies. Yeah. And and, and, and do you need to do that when a card that is uh, on our list? Uh, that we'll be talking about towards the end to, yeah. is uh, is uh, exists right like right yeah um, there's better options anyway. for that yeah in, exactly yeah um, so I'm also gonna give this S tier um, I don't really have anything else to add to it Kenner's great it's kind of annoying how great it is uh, I love playing uh, Druid Breach with Kenrith and uh, it's always a good time our next commander on the list is a commander we talked about a year ago. We're coming back to it, and I think I have a better opinion of it now than I used to, is Winota Joiner of Forces. Ryan, this is a deck that has really taken a lot of people by surprise. Uh, Our good friend Ian, we've brought his name up several times today. Specifically, I've brought him up. Don't mind me. Yeah. Love you, Ian. Um, This is his baby. Uh, What is your take on Winota? Winota recently just won the Playing With Power tournament. Did it? I didn't know that's who who won won the whole tournament. Wow. So Winota, I love Winota and the fact that she showed what Boros can be. You know, Boros has such a, 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 for lack of a better word, it's got a stink on it in the world of Commander. Oh, don't play Boros. Boros is bad. No, Mm -hmm. don't play Boros. Boros is not good. Um, You're not going to win if you're going to play Boros. And Ian, who's good people, like you said. Uh, showed the world that, like, no, there. This is exactly what we want wizards to be doing. We want wizards to give us the advantage that isn't just let me draw a card in in white, let me draw a card in red. It's it's like here, let me show you how we can create advantage with a commander. And Winota did this very very well, and exploring the themes that we did or that Ian did with this commander and showed how powerful it could actually be. By just saying, I'm not going to spend any resources and I'm just going to turn sideways and put all of these amazing 
stacks pieces or value pieces or protection pieces onto the battlefield and just slowly grind you out of this game is really great. Um, it's in red, so that helps. You know, mm-hmm. your dock side's always good. Um, it even runs things like uh, Mog Catcher to get things like Toxide and stuff like that onto the battlefield. Uh, and you don't see that in a lot of builds, but Winota can do that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm going to put Winota into, and there's a little bit of bias coming right out of my tournament. So right. uh, I am going to, I would love to put it into a C tier uh, by by gut check because, you know, Boros does still need a lot of work, but Winota has put great strides into it. I am going to put it into the B tier. Okay. Um, I think it takes a little bit more of a skilled pilot um, to do certain things because it's not that just blind, put all the cards onto the battlefield. There is still, there is still a certain degree of assessment that you need to do. Like, which ones are you putting out there? How are you attacking? How are you mapping these out? What are you playing? What are you holding back? That's still a real thing in Winota. It's not just turn sideways, win the game. You have to, you still have some decision trees you have to work with. Um, and you know, she is card advantage in the command zone, but she's also like some of your only card advantage in the entire deck. Um, so if she gets shut out, you're just not playing the game really. Right. Um, and I know that there's a lot more nuance to it and stuff like that, but I'm going to, I'm going to put it into a B tier. Um, if she was, I can't remember exactly where I was last year, if she was in C or something like that, but I, I would say she's putting in some good work now and people are really working on this deck to make it something. Pongo. Where do you think? Do you think this is B, A, C? Is it a big old fat F? What do you think? <laughs> well, I can tell you now it's not S, and I can tell you it's not F. Um, I agree, again, with most of what Ryan is saying here. You know, the only point of potential disagreement I have is that I don't really agree that Winota shows, like, what the strengths of Boros as much as she shows the strengths of Winota. I think Winota is, like, sure. an absurd magic card. Um you know, she on her own is stronger than most of these commanders that we're talking about that we're probably putting into like, uh, you know, S tier for for value generation. Um, you know, if you put Winota head to head against Krom by himself, I think Winota is the stronger magic card. Um, you know, the thing holding her back is Boros colors, actually. Um, you know, with all that being said, she is an absurd enough magic card um, that I think, you know, she like maxes out potentially like the value generation part of the scale Um, doesn't do fantastically on the color side um, and is a not really a combo enabler. She's more of just like an absurd value engine. Um, I'm a little bit torn between B and C and I think I think I'm putting Winota in C um, because I do okay. feel like a lot of her power is going to be somewhat contingent on having enough time to really execute her plan. Uh, and a big part of that will be related to turn order. Um, I think Winota early in the pod is going to be way more threatening than Winota later in the pod. Um, and I think she probably gets affected by turn order disproportionately compared to a lot of like our higher tier commanders that we're discussing. Right. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I am going to probably put it 
kind of in the same space. I don't know if it's B or C. Um, I'm gonna say high C, like me. <sighs> it's either high C or low B, and I kind of I've just seen it be so good. I kind of want it to be a B. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna say B and leave it there. Okay. I think it's. I think it's a it's a B minus is what I would say. That's fair. Um, I I won't argue with that too too much. I think uh, uh, the, the yeah. card is definitely I, good. I've seen it. I've seen it top sixteen tournaments. I've seen it win our tournament. Um, so she's there. I mean, uh, yeah, it, just it, take, it's, it takes a proper pilot. Yeah, yeah. I, I've just seen people smack people in the face with it enough, right? That you can mm-hmm. just you know lose to it. Even if you're playing your best game and to inevitability. Yeah. Just be like, man, don't don't let it come back to Winota again. She's gonna land three more pieces and we're just gonna get locked out. One thing I I think people don't argue is the issue. The one thing I would argue though, Pongo, is I do think I almost called you cobblepot there for a second. Um (laughs) the the one thing I would argue with though is I do think worse things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Love you, Cobble. <laughs> I do think it is a little, um, like not honest to say it's not a combo enabler. It's not a combo enabler in the traditional sense of this is an A plus B combo. But I mean, the deck wins with Kiki Jiki, right? So like, mm-hmm. it's it, it it enables it so much that you can just flip your win con onto the board. And mm-hmm. there's not a lot of other decks that can say that. Um, and like, honestly, outside of Najila, how many other decks can say that? Right. Um, it is. I, I, I think that it is a combo enabler, but not in the sense that my uh, I just have to find the other piece. It just makes it so that you can get the, the, it is that advantage piece but right maybe maybe it's a semantics thing because for me i still see that as generating value and what makes winota so crazy is that she's generating simultaneously card and mana advantage um right. and I, to me that all operates along the axis of value i don't disagree mm-hmm. with you that you know she you know she does contribute to assembling her combo but like so do other commanders that draw cards in a way. It just so happens that she does so she does so so much more powerfully along, okay. yeah, along yeah, the yeah, value fair. axis. That's fair. Um, well, next card on our list is a card that uh, went second, I believe, in the Major League Commander draft. Um, Elsha of the Infinite. This is our good old Just Guy friend, Ryan. It's got red. It's got blue. What do you think? So it's Boros plus blue, right? Uh, so I, I, just guys weird. weird. Maybe maybe um, it's just is it plus white though? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on, man. Okay. Uh, it depends on what side of that old coin you like to, yeah. to rest on, but that's fine. Yeah. Is it plus white? I like that more. That that sounds less negative. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to use that from now on. Is it plus white? So just guys weird. Uh, it's it's basically all the just guy commanders now. Uh, or I'm sorry, the Jeskai decks are just breach, you know, would you yeah. like to, would you like you have your breach served up with, you know, uh, Jeska Thrice Reborn, or would you like to have your, your, your breach served up with Elsha of the Infinite? Um, and Elsha is a kind of win conless stacks deck. I'm not stacks. What am I saying? I'm sorry. A win conless deck. Um, and 
its colors are a little bit in the awkward side, I would say at times, but Elsha is a combo enabler in the command zone. You could do a lot with it and a prolific pilot can do really well with it. Uh, Flash Andretti, you know, the quintessential Elsha player does fantastic work. And if you ever sit down with him, which I've done in the past, he will show you lines that you wouldn't even see because he's so many layers deep on this deck. But that's kind of the trouble with these things that are generic breach decks or just guy breach decks, because it's like, okay, well, I want to win this way. And and then they'll kind of tell you about this nuance and these win conless plans and stuff like that, which just values individual cards over just dead cards that are just a combo enabler. And as such, we have this lack of willingness to adopt as a result. Like Elsha, Elsha top. That's, that's, you know, you do your Elsha thing, you top, you draw your deck, and now how do you win? And, and once you don't have your clear A plus B at that point, you get into a point where some people don't really want to try it because they don't want to figure out the lines, you know, and people will lose games because they don't know it very well yet. And that kind of stifles some of the organic growth that comes from more players trying it out. Elsha is neat. Uh, Elsha doesn't do as well if she's not on the battlefield. So you are super dependent on your commander. Like you can win a game without Tevish or without Krom. You know, I hate to always go back to these guys, but um, you can win your game without it. It's really hard to win without Elsha. And I'm sure there's Elsha players that might disagree with me. You can, but but I agree. It's tough. It's so it's so much more difficult. You have certain cards that are specifically built to do things like the top combo. You have Helm of Awakening in there that that card's not good. Yeah, and assembling in any deck lines. unless you're trying to power out certain things or do enable. Or you're playing things. Lavinia and you just want to be cheeky. Breach <laughs> <laughs> lines oh, and Jeskai is tough too. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've got your breach lines and stuff like that. And so you're winning with breach and and there's so many other decks that win with breach. Yeah. And um so I, I think you know, as far as Jeskai commanders go, you know, maybe this is a hot take. Maybe it's not. I think Elsha's the best one. She's the best Jeskai commander, you know, and, right. and I know. And it's fine if people disagree. Uh, okay. I'm going to call up Nathan real yeah, quick I was and thinking see what that's he has fine. to say about it. That's fine. You just bring him on. That's fight. I know. I know he's he's he loves large bird plus Jeska. I do, too. He actually. likes to go caw. <laughs> yeah, he does. I, I love large bird and I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But. I think Elsha is probably the best Jeskai CEDH commander. That being said, I I think I've played enough Jeskai to know that it's it's got some holes. It, it does have some holes that it tries to shore up and doesn't do a super great job of shoring them up. Um, it, it's not you know, and it's not Turbo, but it sometimes tries to play like Turbo, and that doesn't doesn't always work out. So it tries to, you know, trying to, oh, I'm going to do a storm thing or oh, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to do that. And it's like it's not really working as such. After that big, long winded discussion about Elsha, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate, but I'm going to probably put it in like a C. I'm going to put okay. it in C. Interesting. Pongo, yeah. is this a C tier commander to you? Yeah, this is another one where um, I find it a, like a little tough. Because I agree with pretty much everything Ryan has been saying. Um, that being said, if we look at the criteria, Elsha's colors, not terrible. Um, I think Elsha with black would be like, clearly That card insane. would be insane. Oh my yeah. God. That's insane. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, uh, you know, we still have three decent colors. Well, we have two 
quite good colors. And then we have one that's perfectly serviceable. Um, so just good access to colors. Uh, she is a combo enabler. Uh, and mm-hmm. I would also say that she is a decent value generating card as well. Um, you know, taking these three things together, you know, she <clears throat> has some issues, I would say, in each category, despite the fact that she kind of checks the three boxes. I would say it's, uh, you know, she checks it with a pencil rather than with like like a permanent marker. Um but that's an amazing analogy yeah. <laughs> love that analogy. i'm gonna use i'm gonna steal that stolen yeah so i would say Quick trademark it. probably <laughs> like probably low b low b okay. yeah i man this is a card that's really tough for me because when this card came out i was so high on this card i think i went on a tear of winning about 20 plus games playing el Shatop when this first came out and uh i fell in love with it and then i just <sighs> flash nick i love you guys i don't think okay i said this earlier about kessinger and i think just guy I feel about Jeskai the way that I feel about Kessinger overall, but about that specific color pairing. I don't feel like those three colors lend themselves very well to a turbo breach strategy. And here is why I think that. I think that you could play those things in them as supporting roles to assist as like finishers, right? But let me... Let's look at historic. Let's look at modern. Let's look at whatever format you want, right? Jeskai ha- is traditionally a control uh, color pairing, right? Mm-hmm. It is yep. traditionally what it has excelled at. And I think what happens, and I think Jessica is shy, why I kind of think I like Jessica shy more than I like Elsha. Uh, and I do, and I think is better uh, personally is that Jessica in a shy is a Delver deck is a mid range Delver tempo deck and it gets the colors so well it knows exactly what that deck is trying to do exactly what those color pairings are trying to do and Elsha on the other hand is very awkward because it has prowess so it has the storm. Uh, kind of feel to it. So you feel like mm-hmm. you should be storming with it. Um, yep. and, and that's not the case, right? It, 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 the colors aren't storm colors, even though blue and red are storm colors, but suddenly you add white and the whole tempo changes. And I, I, I really think that Elsha doesn't fit into it really well, personally. Um and to so be fair, she's she's not really a turbo deck though. She's more of a mid-range deck. She is, but she's not it, it is a storm deck though, at the end of the day. It is. And the rule um, of law shuts down Elsha. Right. Yeah. It's and a storm whereas deck. uh Jessica and and not Pock, Jessica and Shy are just like, all right, that's fine. I'm still gonna hit you in the face with this giant bird. Um mm-hmm. and that to me is why I don't like Elsha as much as I used to. And I think I kind of almost look at it as a D tier commander. I don't think it is because 
I know it's very explosive. I know it's very powerful. And I know that in the right COD composition, this deck is going to flip over some uh, church tables. But I I really think I can't go any higher than a C personally. Um, it It's just, to me, really struggles um, at being the identity, or doing its color identity well. Um, is kind of how I feel about it at the end of the day. Um, Interesting. I think that's fair. I'm like reevaluating a little bit. The fact that Elsha is a five drop and the fact that like you're not necessarily getting value off of her ability unless you're willing to like spend the mana. Right. Um, you know, to like mm-hmm. lay out a rock or something or, or, you know, the fact that you can kind of whiff and, and get stuck on like, yeah, either like a, your free, your, your counter magic or, a creature or a land something like that uh, but but mainly the fact that she's a five drop in like a fairly proactive type of shell and you can't uh jeweled lotus into yeah it. it's it's really tough to accelerate her you out can turn it one. runs jeweled it runs well, jeweled yes lotus. but you're yeah. you're not gonna get the same so uh, okay like we talked about tevish and we talked about Krom, and here in a moment we're gonna talk about paco those decks really do well with jeweled lotus hell even winota does well with jeweled lotus um mm-hmm. but because like, you can you can puke out your hand exactly cast your commander and recover yeah. exactly you can't do that you with can't Elsha. do that with elsha it, well you can too. it's very yeah. top deck dependent right yeah and i i, I just Trip, man, triple like color pips makes it really quite tough to jeweled lotus yeah. into elsha mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I need to reevaluate and, and say maybe she's more of like a high C tier rather than a okay. low B. All right. I'll give you that. Um, so I teased this a moment ago. Um, our, the next uh, partner, partner pairing, I'm going to say this because I'm partner with, so you can really only use them together or alone. Uh, but you really never see anybody play these two apart from each other is uh, Paco Arcane Retriever and Halden Avid Arcanist. And this is the deck that one Major League Commander. Uh, Ian won with this uh, this little beauty. And so Ryan, this is the same deck he played at Tier 1 Con, too, for what it's worth. He believes in this mm-hmm. deck. Um, yep. Ryan, I don't remember what you said about Paco a year ago. I mean, I really should have like looked at what her ratings <laughs> were from a year ago. It was like a three and a half this. hour. Well, it was so yeah, long. Next year, but um, invariably it was forget. good. It was fun. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, what is your opinion on uh, on Paco and Halden? I think I'm super low on Paco and Halden. Really? Um, teamer, great colors. Uh, fantastic. Um, you know, in the right pods, it does really well. You know, there's a little bit of luck involved with the top decks and stuff like that. Uh, you can absolutely puke out your commanders and recover with the ability to do uh, with the ability to cast off the top and stuff like that. That kind of stuff is all really great. And it's in good colors to be able to do that and capitalize on that. But, you know, I've also seen Paco and Holden scrub out at tier one con, you know, uh, it just it didn't work. And that's not to say that every deck that scrubs out is a bad deck. Sometimes you just get bad matchups or you just get some bad luck. Um, but I'm kind of low on Paco and Holden. I've never liked I've never liked commanders that depend upon your opponents in order to help you close the game out. Mm-hmm. CDH really helps close that gap a lot because the card quality of our decks is so unbelievably high that, you know, playing Paco and Holden in a you know regular casual table 
man, you could hit anything and just be like really in bad shape. But, you know, in our format, oh, you know, I'm hitting rocks, I'm hitting docksides, I'm hitting all this kind of crazy, great advantage engines and stuff like that. But I've never liked relying on my opponents to help me win a game. And that's why I've always been so low on Paco and Holden. You know, what you're ripping off the top is really what's helping you close this game out. And obviously, I know there's more to Paco and Holden than just that. But let's face it, that is the main strat. Power out Paco Holden, start ripping off the top and start, you know, getting your advantage through those. Um, And kind of like where I was with Elsha, you know, like sometimes those top decks can be really bad and you're just sitting there doing nothing while everyone else is like, I've got my strategy. I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, you can rip my card. Oh, look, it was a land. Too bad for you. (laughs) Or, you know, it was a it was a peer into the abyss. Oh, super great for you if you could cast it, you know, Um, but all that being said, Paco and Holden, I've never been super high on um, for all the reasons that I just stated. Um, So without going much further into that, I'm going to probably put this at a C as well. I am almost putting this in a D territory and I, you know, maybe that'll get me some hate. Uh, maybe not, you know, maybe the CEDH I just haven't... cast crowd is coming for you. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Let, let, let both of them come at me. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. But like, yeah, so maybe there's, maybe I've just haven't seen it really do the things it could do. I've seen it. I've seen it flounder a lot. That's what I've seen in my experience. Okay. A lot of floundering and going nowhere. Um, and that's why I've been so low on it for so long. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to give it a little bit of a benefit because of the numbers it was putting in in the Mox Bowl and stuff like that. But I'm going to probably put it in the C tier. OK, that's where I'm going to throw it. Pongo, do you think this is a C tier commander? Yeah, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Um, I think that this is a C tier commander. Um, okay. The reason why is, again, to return to my criteria, colors. OK, Um you know, as Ryan pointed out, not not the greatest, but fine. Um, not so much a combo enabler, but I do think to some extent we can probably extend the combo enabler um, sort of criteria uh, to also include, you know, being able to beat down an opponent really quickly since that that is a win condition. Um, so mm-hmm. so we can certainly say, you know, being a win condition um, fits into that criteria to some extent. Um, but, you know, where they kind of max out the scale again is on on value generation, where uh, Paco is, you know, kind of like drawing four cards a turn. Um, that being said, you know, big upfront cost to like get rolling with that engine. You know, if you don't get quite lucky with your mulligans or, you know, mulligan aggressively um, to have a fast Paco into a fast Halden, a lot of the time you're not necessarily going to be um, that much uh, you're you're not necessarily doing the explosive thing that a lot of people are thinking about when they, you know, think of like the highlights of Paco, um, which is not to say that you know with all the fast mana we have in this format you can't do that fairly reliably. You can, but you're not going to do it all the time. Not without mole getting very aggressively, um, and you know when you're doing that type of mulliganing, um, if you're playing against people who respect the fact that Paco you know, maxes out the value generation category, um, you know, respects the fact that like when Halden is in play, he's basically a stacks piece that you need to abrupt decay um, before you go for your combo. 
Um, uh, uh, spoiler alert: You can't abruptly decay Paco. Just Holden. <laughs> Holden. Oh, Holden, Holden is the okay, stacks okay, piece. Okay, okay. Paco. Paco is just there beating down, but he doesn't give you the cards of Holden's. I thought you were saying right? Paco, and I was like, bro. No, no, no. <laughs> you treat Holden like the stacks piece. If we're talking about abrupt decay specifically, okay. Um, mm-hmm. But in most cases, you do because cutting off Holden cuts off access to all of the cards, whereas killing Paco after the damage is done. Um, you know, is you know, you're you're kind of just stemming the bleeding at that point. Um, really, what you should be doing is you should be removing Halden uncounterably to take care of all of the free counter magic that they've accumulated, and then trying to win on your turn. Um, you know, more more proactively. The issue is that Paco and Halden they can't really win very reliably. Like they don't have good win conditions, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so against savvy opponents, um, who respect Halden. Uh, respect Paco, I should say. Um, and, you know, can like cut him off at the knees. Uh, the deck is not going to perform as well. Because, it. because it's so commander reliant and because you have to invest so much into your commander, your commanders even. Right. Yeah, I think those are all valid points. I think you guys make pretty much anything that i would say although what i would add to it is i i do i've had very different experience than ryan in this where i've only ever seen paco just beat people in the face mm-hmm. and nobody figure out how to deal with it um and uh because mid-range of, decks like, can't like you yeah, can't help grind paco mm-hmm. as a mid-range deck um yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's a very fair thing is my local meta is a incredibly mid rangey uh, meta like uh, Turbo Nas is here, but there's only one or two of them. So we all kind of gang up on them. Mm. Uh, and we, and we Turbo Nas over here like all day, every day. Yeah, we, we, are, we out so. here. So so over here, there's a lot of Brago. <laughs> there's a lot of Animar. There's a lot mm. of um there's a lot of like Moldrotha even like, like commander centric um, decks. Yeah. Very commander centric huh. decks, but they're also, <laughs> I want to play in your meta. My meta is fun <laughs> as hell. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, and yeah, there's you don't win one on turn or two, you don't win over here. There's one so. or two. Uh, there's one Cody deck and a Golos turbo Nas deck. And both of them struggle. Um, and I, I, it, it is very clear when I can play Lavinia I, like, I know the weeks that I pull out Lavinia, right? Because they'll both be sitting at my table and I'm like, all right, I got this one. Um, <laughs> this is a free win for me. Um, so it, it it's really a, one of those things where I, I think Paco into the right meta is really, really strong. But I think Ian and you will hear this. So we're recording this the day after that I recorded my episode with Ian about the MLC. And uh, that will come out on Friday and this will be coming out on Monday. So the two of you won't know what I know. But Ian made some really good points in that interview of Paco and Halden doesn't have a terrible matchup. Like it's fine against Turbo Nas. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And it spanks stacks in mid range. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. from an overall perspective, it's a very like it's pretty high card quality overall because you, you know, don't have to play bad cards. And especially with a lot of the changes that are being made right now, some of which are because of what happened in the MLC. Um, you're seeing breach lines get added in a movement away from the turns 
uh, kind of game plan is that this deck gets to really sit at the table and hold its own and uh, has a little bit of inevitability attached to it. And to me, I think it's a solid middle of the road B tier commander. Personally, I think that if green, blue, red uh, in commander gets more effective win cons, that is not just brain freeze my opponents out. Um, Paco and Hall, it would, which is a fantastic win con, by the way. Um, if it gets like just a hair more support, I think this deck is going to be right up there with the big hitters, personally. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really solid deck. Interesting. I, I, I um, agree. I think uh, we're missing a compelling win condition for Paco. And yeah. And, and I think that's really it is if you look at like, because if you look at it as a breach deck, it's not a super compelling breach deck, right? Um, but if you look at it holistically overall as kind of the mid-range killer that has a fine matchup against, like, I'm not going to say it has a great matchup against Adnaz, but it doesn't have a bad matchup against Adnaz. Um, and it punishes mid-range and stacks. I think that's not a bad place to be sitting right now. Um, mm. So now if you're walking into a very heavy turbo NOS meta, I would probably find something else uh, to play. But uh, this is a deck that I think if you're going into a blind meta, this is perfectly fine to bring with you, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I still contend that people lose to Paco because they just don't know to remove Paco or they don't yes, do it but, at the right time. Oh, like, OK, here, here's one. I, I agree with you on that. But here, here's uh, we're going to go off on a tangent. This is going to be another three hour podcast. I know, it. <laughs> unfortunately, um, I apologize. But here I, I don't want to go on this tangent too long because I respect everybody's time. But bear with me. Um, <laughs> I don't think we should evaluate the quality of cards based on how. Like bad this is gonna sound so mean but how bad players play them um or play against them because here i I agree that's what i said i think or don't play against them like or by how the best players play against them is what i mean okay um sure that's what i'm trying to say man i did a horrible job saying (laughs) um (laughs) but we still got the spirit i get it now and i think that this is an interesting Certainly an interesting point. Go ahead. Because here's what I keep trying to remind myself. I play on on Sundays with three of the best CEDH players that exist, right? Uh, It's obnoxious. It's the worst. My win rate is so much better with other people. It really is. (laughs) I win so much outside of Team Turn 3. It's bananas. (laughs) It really hurts. And I win with Lavinia outside of that. Outside of that. And I just go in there and you it's three of the best players I can possibly play with. And so like every decision matters. Everybody is bringing their best game. Everybody knows what's going on. But the reality is and this is something, man, I keep bringing this up. Ian and I talked about you go to tier one con. You've got that at your table, but you also have the ability of two other people who have no idea what's going on sitting at your table. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. don't think evaluating it on. Well, if you have an experienced player knows this. Well, yes, I expect that from experienced players. I don't expect that from the average player. 
Um, like I'm not going to evaluate cards based on how LSV is able to play against them. Right. That man piloted a deck that wasn't in, that was out of date to a top eight into, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like good players can bring out the best in everything. So yep. it, that's, that's kind of how I, my, my tangent there. I, I, I think introed yeah. that horribly. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think it's a, it's a pretty good point. Um, and, I, and I think you, you know, getting past the, the, the little hump at the beginning there, <laughs> I think you actually articulated it quite well. Yeah. Oh, thank and, you. and I think other commanders that we go through throughout this will actually show that. Yeah, more. I, I agree for sure. Um, one of man, next one on the list, right? Uh, Heliod Suncrowned. Um, this is one that we all kind of were like, it's fine last year. I remember that. Um, it's a product of its colors. Good players like Charles and like Michael Levine, excuse me, Dr. Michael Levine. Um, <laughs> he earned it. Uh, he earned it. Uh, he earned it. Yeah. Uh, is those pilots make this deck look so much better than the average player can play with it. Right. So Ryan, with all that being said, with my tangent in mind, how do you evaluate uh Heliod? Where does it fall on your tier list? I think your tangent was actually really well put right before this one, because I think too often people say, Oh, well, Heliod Suncrown, Michael Levine, mm -hmm. Charles, all of a sudden Heliod Suncrown gets a bump because of the association with these players that are fantastic players. Excellent players. And yeah, fantastic players and fantastic players with these decks. The tier list has an S and an F tier for a reason. Heliod Suncrown is an F. Whoa. <laughs> wow. It's a, it's I don't F. know that I go that far. <laughs> it's an F. There's a reason F exists on this list. I can oh think of another why reason why F exists on this list. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, wow. So, so, okay, so it's an F because it's in the worst color. Mm -hmm. You can argue colors all day long. That's fine. You know, and we I'll say subjectively to avoid any ruffled feathers from your viewer or listener base. <laughs> no, I'll no, no. It's great for engagement. Ruffle as many feathers. As you okay. <laughs> objectively, it's the worst color. Angry tweet from Charles incoming. I'm ready for you. Boy. No, he's not so. going to angry tweet. He's going to angry write a thesis document. That's at you. fine. I'm, I love I love reading Charles's work. He's, he's the best. I love that man. Um, so it's in the worst color. Mm -hmm. Um. It's a combo. Sure, it's combo in the command zone. Great. Um, it does nothing else. Yeah. You're yep. what? Staxing <laughs> out the board? There's a thousand yeah. other commanders that can do that better. Uh, so I'll, I'll eventually I'll try to get to my walking ballista. Maybe I'll try and assemble some super intricate combo with no reliable way to tutor any of them up. So basically, what am I on? I'm just on a generic stacks plan. Stacks is really hard to pilot. Pilot effectively. Turn order matters immensely. You have no advantage in the command zone. You have no advantage in your deck. Um, I, I it's just this just does nothing that I want to do in CDH other than provide part of an A B combo in really bad colors. Mm -hmm. So someone could compel me to maybe put it in D. Okay, but right From now I'm, I'm. Oh, well, we don't have an E tier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's. Is there an E tier? I can't. Well, you can't get an E grade. So yeah, so we're doing. S is 110 A, B, C, D, uh, F. Oh, no, there isn't an E tier. Uh, okay, well. Get, get out of right. here, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I skipped E altogether. Would you guys like me to put it in E instead? I can put it in E, but it it it's the bottom of my list. Okay. I've piloted the pity Heliod e. before. 
Yeah, give him uh, okay. The, the pity E. Right. <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give it an E. Since solely we have because e of the tear, solely off of the back of Michael Levine and Charles. Nah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Just like you said earlier with LSV, mm-hmm. LSV can make a bad card look good. Mm-hmm. Um, Into the North can make a deck that's surprisingly average look amazing. Right. Um, I mean, we've actually had Morgan uh spleenface go out there against with a, into tournaments that had decks that he didn't even choose like they were meme decks that people have chosen for him oh, and placed what was what was the one with uh the five color one from uh the recent zendikar yeah cody and, and we'll get to cody here no in no, a no, bit, no. The, the one that was um the the five co- the one from zendikar the one that um the old food chain commander, but the new version Tazari. of yeah, the new Tazari that yeah, he did a top four Tazari. with. Exactly. So throwing Michael Levine or Charles behind this commander doesn't bump it up to B tier. Mm-hmm. It just means that those pilots are exceptionally skilled at this mm-hmm. and they can do that with a lot of things. They're just choosing to do it with Heliod Sunground. They so, got to handicap themselves somehow, right? Exactly. Or else they just they just. <laughs> just slay every tournament they go in so but that's fine um so yeah i'm gonna i'll put it in e tier but all right that's that's where i think it is Pongo, what do you think is this is this the bottom of the barrel it's not the bottom of the barrel <laughs> uh, I, I agree with a, a lot of what ryan has been saying obviously um i'm gonna return to my criteria and so being mono white color is kind of an issue for Hilliard. um that being said, and this is where I will nuance this discussion a little bit, I oh, do man. think that um, the colors that your deck is in and the strength of those colors um, gets modulated to some extent by virtue of the tools that you need for your strategy and the tools that that color provides. And it just so happens that Heliod has access to ways to tutor its one card win condition, even being in mono white. So we can't evaluate Heliod the same way we would evaluate any mono white commander. Um, That being said, he would obviously be more powerful if he was white black, right? He would obviously be more powerful with additional colors. It just so happens. Literally any other color, honestly. Literally any. Um, he, He manages to offset the color's weaknesses though, um, to, to, a fairly large extent which is you know possibly the reason why we're having this discussion at all um Mm -hmm. i agree not really generating much in the way of value um you know when you're stacking out the board he does provide power on on the board um and life life gain which is not irrelevant for what that deck ends up doing a lot of the time but i don't sincerely believe that that's what you actually want to be doing as a main plan in Mm -hmm. almost any cdh deck certainly not one without card advantage in the command zone i think that uh, you really want either card advantage in the command zone or a more powerful parity breaker um Mm -hmm. or you know access to more colors such that you can recoup card advantage easily um if you're playing that kind of strategy and as far as Heliod's combo is concerned, I don't actually think that it's strong enough to really like, I, I don't actually think it's spectacularly strong, even though it is a one card win condition. A lot of those combos are pretty mana intensive mm-hmm. um, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. 
I think it is an E tier commander as well. Um, and I think the reason why you see that deck do well a lot of the time is because it flies under the radar. Um, yeah. And it's possible that don't re- people don't respect yeah, it's, it. And it's yeah. possible that we're supposed to put, you know, more stock into that as, as a factor, you know, I know that's not exactly what you were saying, Callahan, but I think that it might be an extension of what you were saying or, yeah, or, you know, to some extent that is an implication of what you were saying. Um, but I, I think that in Heliod's case, it, it holds true uh, much more often than it does for some of our more powerful commanders that we've discussed. Yeah, I, I, I think that I agree with a lot of the points. I think Heliod has the potential to be a C tier commander eventually. Eventually, it's not there. Um, if they're going to give White the stuff that they tell me White's going to get, then I think it's going to get there eventually. Um, but I would say most monocolor decks these days, I would not put above a C tier, period, end of story. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I love Urza. I don't know that I think Urza is that great anymore. Um, I love JVP Tide Tide. I don't know that that's that great anymore. Um, and I think Heliod, even if it got like, like uh, Barry Bonds level of steroids injected into its arm, it would never be able to be more than a C tier commander uh, because it's monocolored. And that's, that is the reality of playing monocolors in my opinion um now other commanders now other colors that are monocolored i think can overcome that to some degree because their colors can be very strong but even the Mm -hmm. best mono black commander and black is a really good color right i don't think is that great um so I, i i kind of agree with you guys i think each here is where I fall on this. All right. So y'all are going to hate me because I added a, (laughs) I added a card to the list uh, because we were talking about Heliod, right? And how Heliod struggles with the fact that, you know, the command zone thing, all that jazz. I'm going to throw out a curveball here to everybody. All right. Ryan Pongo. What do you think of Oswald Fiddlebender? I've seen a lot of really interesting stuff with this. I've seen the decks look pretty good. What do you, what, what is your evaluation of it, Ryan? Is this E tier, F tier, or is this a little bit better? It's really early in Oswald's life. That's very super, true. Super, super early. So hey, you know what? Are... We were yelling about Jessica a year ago, so I think That's it's right. all right. Yeah. So <laughs> we. So I mean, basing this on the extremely limited amount of information that's out there, there are so many lines that can come from this commander that, for all we know, this will become the new de facto white CEDH commander because of the power it can do. Um, I can see this becoming through enough brew space and stuff like that becoming like Arkham Daxon one day. Yeah. You know, finding this pod line, if you will, up to a win con fairly easily. Uh, but it, it's going to take a lot of brewing and a lot of experimentation to get there. Um, and it's not there currently. I have seen Oswald Fiddlebender do some cute things, but not some effective or powerful things. Um, and I think cute is great. You know, it's good in a casual table. I think that's really fun and stuff like that. 
Um, but unfortunately, a lot of times nowadays that really doesn't cut the mustard on the CDH tables. And that's what we're ranking right now. We're ranking CDH commanders. Mm-hmm. And Oswald Fiddlebender is fun, really cool design space. A lot of, I love that what they're doing with that. But right now he's still in E. I have okay. not seen him put down any sort of real actual results that are worth anything. Uh, only time I've ever seen Oswald win is because they just let Oswald do whatever he wanted because no one took him seriously. And that's not a criteria for being a good commander. Yep. Everyone ignoring you is not a criteria. You need to be able to battle with the big boys, if you will, not to be not to be condescending or anything. But it, it's yeah, I still think it's in an E. It's once again, worse colors. Um, it, it, it does help you enable your combo. So it does get you there. And through whatever lines you might have, you could ascertain that there's a degree of advantage that can be derived from it. But right now it's still so early in its life. Uh, that it's just not where I think it could be mm-hmm. right now. I will put it in an E. Okay. I hope that it's a higher one one day because I think it's a cool card. I hope yeah. I can put it into a higher tier one day. And I really encourage brewers out there to really fiddle <laughs> with this card. Hey, hey, hey he got <laughs> amazing. So. Uh, Pongo, what do you think? Is this bottom of the barrel or is this, you know, more middle of the, you know, floating oil type of thing? Asking me this question with a straight face, Callahan. Uh, <laughs> um, so I've I've had the pleasure of playing against Oswald a few times now, actually. Same. Um, yep. And I'm not gonna lie, the deck kind of just felt like it was like treading water, like waiting for the mm-hmm. inevitable, like pretty much the entire time, like just holding on, barely holding on. Sorry for like the really morbid imagery there, but um, I, I I would tend to agree with Ryan in the sense that this is a card that I could see becoming quite powerful one day. You know, the right artifacts get printed and perhaps, you know, you've got pod chains that win you the game with any artifact in play. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that happens, then Oswald is a two mana, like your combo is essentially in the command zone commander, right? Like, you know, I, I think that you raised a very good point by bringing up Arkham Dagson because I think, you know, we, we could see him easily becoming, maybe not easily, but we could see him becoming something similar to that. You know, I would go even further and say that, you know, if the right cards are printed and we're not there yet, um, he could become like Goto. Um, mm-hmm. Right? It's, you know, in the sense really that. really saying something. It's, wow. it's, <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, your, uh, Ryan's ears perk up. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, I'm yeah, listening. Exactly. <laughs> uh, fairly, fairly easy to cast him on turn one, right? Being mm-hmm. a two drop. And then presumably you're doing that off of artifact mana. So you're going to have some artifact in play. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's going to take time. And it might never happen uh, that we get all the pieces that we need for you to go from like, you know, Mox Diamond or Soul Ring. You know, or your two drop, or your three drop, up into some game-winning artifact. Um, but you know, if that ever comes, Oswald will be strong. Mm-hmm. For today, I think Oswald is in the F tier for me. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, yeah. I look at Oswald, and I think of another commander who kind of deals with the same problem. You brought up Arkham, but I think there's a better comparison to be made. And I think that's the captain's to say. Mm-hmm. Um, think about how much better this deck would be if Paradox Engine was legal in this oh, format. 
Mm-hmm. Like it, it'd be up there with to say in Arkham. Yeah. And, and, almost and, immediately. And, and those decks were a tier decks, right? Um, those were very good decks. And Captain Sase with Paradox Engine was also this is different discussion, but incredibly healthy for the format. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's frustrating because right, I I, I look at Captain Sase and I see the stuff where people are redeveloping it, and I still see it as really good. Granted, it's two colors, but uh, I still think it's it's a good deck it's not a tier i'd say it's a solid c tier um but i look at oswald and i think i i don't think it's eref i think you guys are being a little too harsh on it because of its color identity i do think it is kind of color identity agnostic in the sense that it feels to me like it's effectively a colorless deck um it's really not a deck that is white per se. Uh, it's very much an artifact centric deck. Um, so if you're going to build your strategy around that, I think that, you know, white's a fine stra- color to do those sorts of strategies in um, because lots of stuff to support that in white. Um, I think this deck has so much potential. And I think the reason why I think that this could be potentially as good as go to, I agree with Pongo on this is I, it's similarities to pod in that uh, if you remember a few years ago when they banned birthing pod and modern, the reasoning Mm -hmm. for it was this limits our design space for creatures. Oswald obviously the the speed of modern and it being a creature you don't have to really worry about it same thing for prime speakers zagana right or vanifar excuse me um but the the creature aspect in those constructive formats kind of brings it down um in our format however it is very comparable to birthing pod in that regard because all it's going to take is one artifact to come out and nobody's going to think about it at all, except the people who build the stack, and it's going to blow the whole thing wide open. And I think right now it's a D tier for me because it's still very early, like you said, and the lines are convoluted as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, they're up there with Anala and Gitrog lines as some of the most complex ways to win. However, it's I've seen it be really good. I've also like... Like Pongo said, we played with uh, what was it? We played with the tryhards on Sunday mm-hmm. and it didn't do great on Sunday. But I think that it is still a product of early stages of development. And I think that it has a lot of potential. And I know we are going to a futuristic plane here in a few months. And like I said, all it's going to take is one busted artifact but do you think it's better than heliod oh for sure absolutely absolutely that i'm i'm pretty surprised about i said this in our set review i'm almost certain i did if i didn't say it on air i said it off air i think it's better than heliod i think the ability to have direct access to assembling your combo in the command zone is 
invaluable. And I think that white has enough defensive magic spells within its color that it's I'm not super worried about, you know, like here, here's the thing with like Heliod, right? Like it's kind of expensive and you don't like you kind of have to expand a bunch of resources out of your hand to throw like Heliod down. Whereas with uh, Oswald, it's two mana. And so you can just go land mana crypt. Here it is. And I'm doing my thing on turn two. Like it's not that you don't have to mulligan that aggressively to have it out on turn one. Um, and I, I just, I, I honestly think I'd put it above, above Heliod because here, one of the things you were saying about Heliod was Heliod kind of it's game plan outside of getting the walking ballista out is kind of amorphous. You're kind of playing a rule of law strategy, a track strategy, Oswald, you know what your strategy is. It's very clearly defined what the strategy is. We're just still figuring out the most efficient way of doing that right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a big up to it in my mind over Heliod um, personally. But um, feel free to disagree with me in the comments. That's what they're there for. Um, Next up on our list is uh, this card is currently tearing up our local meta because nobody seems to be able to understand remove the damn Kinnon. Uh, if it resolves point all your interaction at it. Uh, and this is Kinnon bonder prodigy. This is one of Pongo's babies. And so Ryan, uh, be kind. Don't be too mean to Pongo. He, you can be mean to me, but you know, be, be nice to Pongo. He's got sensitive feelings. So that's what's your happening. opinion? <laughs> that's not happening. I'm going to be as mean as I need to be. <laughs> All right. So Ken and Bonder Prodigy is just about everything you could ever want in the command zone. Mm-hmm. It is mana advantage. It is an infinite mana outlet to win the game and super low cost. In good colors. So like, let's say somebody removes it, you know, like you had said, Callian, oh, you kill the cannon. Just immediately recast it. Yep. Just immediately recast it at four instead of two. Like that's really hard in this format. And so there's constantly, so you're having to point so much interaction Mm -hmm. at it. Yep. Um, And it has an effect the moment it comes down. It's super easy to. It warps the game around it. It does. It absolutely does. Um, It put in good showing at tier one. Um, it is a really good commander. Um, you know, people argue all day long about, you know, limited colors and, you know, but Simic is a really good color pair. It's hard to go wrong in blue green. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I know even with the lack of red, you know, no dockside, blah, 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 you know, um, it still does fantastic work and it scales with your skill. Mm -hmm. So it's good just picking it up for the first time. Um, but it gets better as you play it, uh, mm-hmm. because you learn its nuances and stuff like that. You make better choices when you're flipping its ac- second activated ability. It's such a good card. This is a high A for me. Okay. It's absolutely an A tier commander. It's got everything I'd want to do for CEDH, um, good outlets, all that kind of stuff. Infinite mana enablers, just everything I could want. So A tier, not quite S for me, but very high A. Okay. Pongo, I know this is your baby, and I know that uh, Treasure Vault kind of changed the game for y'all. Oh, did it? Um, yeah. Didn't it? Oh, what a card. 
what what are you what's your opinion didn't it make it so that the the mirrors line is just like you don't even need it anymore yeah i technically you don't really need it um in the sense that you can build around all of like the artifact tutors um and still have the potential to tutor for both basalt monolith as well as potential outlet for basalt monolith um being that treasure vault is an artifact um, I do think that it's still correct to run it, that being said, yeah, because yeah. there's going to be situations where you've already made your land drop. Um, so you still want to be able to tutor up an artifact that wins in that spot. Additionally, um, it's quite good for like the the mage lines mm-hmm. um, where you're going to use. Um, shoot, not not trinket mage, obviously not treasure maze mage, but um, trophy trophy mage. Correct. Oh, OK, okay. Um, to, to tutor up you know, three drops, um, Mm -hmm. both Basalt Monolith as well as Mirage Mirror are three drops. Um, and that deck will frequently leverage clone effects to tutor up the entire combo. Um, just off of the, uh, the trophy mage. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I was kind of like waffling a little bit on this one. Um, I do agree with Ryan um with everything that he said that it's obviously you know he kind of is blessed with all the gifts um i'm talking about ryan as well as kinnon um, <laughs> appreciate you uh well I, i'm only being nice because you gave kinnon an a to oh, be clear well, that's good. nice to know you dog on me otherwise okay uh, but um you know i i, I think that like I have a hard time putting Kinnon in a higher tier than Zer on like some level that feels wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, for example, like Spleenface Morgan, like vehemently disagrees with that take. Um, but I think that 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 just for me reinforces the fact that it's an A tier commander. Um, you know, if I can take if I can disagree with Spleenface, I'm going to take that opportunity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not much right. more to add. After, uh, what Ryan said. That's that's kind of how I've uh, not the not the disagreeing with Morgan thing, although <laughs> I always love doing that. Um, but uh, I, I here's kind of where I land on it when I think about this card. It's because I know how absurd it is as I go. All right. Well, it's definitely not a B or lower. Is it an S tier commander? And I'm just like, man, I can't put it in S tier. I just like I want to. But then you're just like looking at everything else that's an S tier. And you're just like, man, doesn't have partner. It's two colors. It's pretty cheap. Does a lot of stuff. But man, it's just hard to get that stuff going, uh, you know, and it's a deck that when you land a Draneth Magistrate, it just kind of goes, well, yep. That was is good. It's been a good game. Good game. Uh, and that's man. That's I've been so frustrated in our local meta playing against this damn deck because I'll play. I'll literally mulligan to a Dranif Magistrate and then people will be like, oh, we need to remove that right now. And I'm like, I'm literally letting you guys play the game. Like, yeah. 
it's 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 figuratively speaking you're letting them play the game because you're not letting them play the game like with their commander it will kill you kinnit's going to kill magistrate kinnit is going to kill you long before you are able to do anything relevant with your commander in my opinion uh but it's it's not quite the fastest deck in the format no but man it's so good and i just i yeah it's an a-tier commander man it's i don't don't think he's a high a-tier commander i don't i don't think think he's a lower a to your commander personally. i mean I, I i hate getting in nuance like that yeah. because i mean that we already have grades in there you know yeah sure you know we have a through s through e so here so, so our next one up here is gonna be pretty easy for all of us uh i think we can all uh pretty much agree we've all said white's not very great um teshar ancestors apostle ryan is this another e tier from you so I gave you, this an F last time. You did. I distinctly remember giving this was an you F because I think it was one of okay, the only because F. I gave it an S. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. You did do that, didn't you? Um, the like, Brazilian crowd loved you for it, Pongo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the so Teshar, it, it's a combo enabler. Mm-hmm. So just like Heliod is right, um, and it's in mono white. And I I gave it an F last time we talked about Teshar. Um, I had people actually come up to me and say, oh, you know, your assessment of Teshar is wrong. Your assessment of Teshar is wrong. Let me prove it to you. And we specifically had a gameplay episode where somebody, you know, went and tried to prove it to us or whatever. And Teshar was able to get there. It, it, it won the game. It won the game because nobody paid attention to it. So that can be said about anything. You know, you know, it was like Teshar's over there doing Teshar things. Oh, I, you know, he like he like the, the the person playing Teshar. No offense to the pilot, by the way. We're talking about the commander right now. They played a land and pass. They played a land and pass, and then they went off. They just went off at once. Um, but this suffers the same problem as Heliod, in my opinion. It's combo enabler in the command zone. That's great. Um, but it's so was Heliod. Heliod did the exact same thing, and. Um, while I did have a little bit of additional perspective now to show some of the things it can do, because putting from the graveyard is a degree of resiliency. So if a piece gets removed, you can kind of get it back with Teshar. Hey, Teshar so fans does. get really excited because it sounds like he's about to give y'all an E. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So wow, spoilers. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, dude, don't, don't blow my thunder here. Come on, man. Ryan, you don't know me. Yeah. You don't know what, you don't know what I've got. You don't know what my, you know what it is. So it's an E commander. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's okay. absolutely. So yeah, it's it's it suffers the same problem as Heliod. I will give it a little bit of an extra boost, but not enough to actually bump it up. Okay. Um, because the, the recursion is an extra something that Heliod doesn't have. But I've seen people play this as death and taxes. I've seen people try to play it as combo and every death single and time. Taxes. Mm-hmm, I've seen people that, try and play it as death and taxes, yeah, and it doesn't work bizarre. there either. Yeah. I mean, the idea of getting stuff back recursion is nice. I actually, you know, with the recursion, I will put it into D. I'll put it into D. Okay. Because that is, that is something it has over Heliod, in my opinion. Okay. But you guys got two letter upgrade. Wow. Man. That's only because we keep forgetting E exists as a tier. But <laughs> yes, you know. Uh, so, it, so. It, I will I will put it in D because of the recursion aspect. But beyond right. that, it's really suffers the Heliod problem, in my opinion. So it just needs to win a couple more times is what you're saying. And we're straight to uh, it's got to it's got to win through resiliency, like it not just sit there and dirtle until it someone just accidentally let it win because they're just fighting each other. Okay. Like it, it needs to be able to power through. It, it needs so. to like actually have 
a pretty like definitive win. Good not, showing. Not, not like a with, cheap win or anything. Yeah, not like, like a that. win. And, and once again, this is nothing against the people who piloted it because, you know, they did everything they should have done. Just no one else respected it at the table. And that does not a good commander make. It sounds more like a criticism of the rest of the table, not that person. Yeah, they're like, oh, opinion. okay, I guess we're playing Teshar. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to go play Blue Farm. And yeah. it's like <laughs> everyone was trying to stop the Blue Farm player, is yeah. what they were trying to do. And Teshar just got to go off unimpeded because of it. Yeah, so. right. Uh, so Pongo, you gave this an S tier last year. Are you going to walk <laughs> back your S tier rating? Are you really going to break the hearts of tens of, of, of Teshar players? Yeah, I was about to say uh, dozens of Teshar players. I think dozens is a little bit more. I think okay. tens is a fair, <laughs> fair assessment of it. Uh, yeah. Are you really going to break all these people's hearts? Well, unfortunately, big Teshar didn't pay me. For this video, to, to show. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna have to be honest with my opinion. Um, this is definitely like an E tier for me. I, I can't, yeah. in good conscience, put this card above Heliod. Um, you know, I, I get where you're coming from, Ryan, but I think that uh, I value one card win conditions extremely highly. Mm -hmm. um, and Tishar obviously has a lot of re uh, redundancy, such that like assembling combos is not that that bad, but it's still not a one card combo, right? Like it's just simply not. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so for me, um, I, I don't think it's better than Heliod personally. And I definitely don't think it's better than Oswald. I think this is an F tier. I'll, I'll take the bullet this time. I don't make mind making hot takes and taking heat. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. Um, I, I, I just it, it, here's the thing. I've seen Teshar just do dumb things. And like you said, Ryan, I think that it is a product of three other people just going, all right, well, I guess we're playing a three person game. Mm -hmm, and exactly. That is something that I think in this it, that could be an episode all of itself of how you shouldn't disrespect any commander in this format, um, because obviously it's good enough to win if you don't respect it. Yep. Um, so like it, and that's that's a very clear distinction is when I give these things F's, I'm saying S within CEDH. I think you could take Teshar to a high powered event if you wanted to pub stomp people and pub stomp the hell out of people don't do that but yeah i think you could um and, like and an argument just, can be made for any of our f exactly and, yeah. and so uh, that's just kind of like our 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 scale of what's good is just very different um but i i i just don't think it's like, and this is kind of my thing is i don't think it's better than heliod so i can't put it over that and I don't think it's on par with Heliod, honestly. And I don't think it's anywhere close to Oswald. So I think it's it's an F. So moving out of mono white into the partner territory, which is really fun, um, is a card that I have been yelling about for years as this is a good card. Why do we not do more with this card is a shy Ojatai dragon speaker. And it just really came out. Uh, it, it 
Jessica came into the picture and people went, oh, all right. And all of a sudden, Ishai is getting talked about with Tevish. It's getting talked about with Jessica. It's getting talked about in lots of different circles. And what do you think, Ryan? What's your opinion of Ishai? So I have played a fair amount of Jessica Ishai here recently. Mm -hmm. So I have a number of games under my belt with it. I have a number of wins under my belt with it. So if we're talking about Ishai, are we talking about Ishai in isolation or are we talking about Ishai in regards to let's just say you're par- partnering with it with anybody? OK, so let's say I'm partnering with Jessica for the sake of argument here. OK, so there's a couple of things about Ishai that are good and bad, just like with any commander. Mm-hmm. First of all, the bads. Ishai does absolutely nothing on its own. It, it grows. Sure. Yeah, it, it, it sure. It gets big and it flies. Right. Mm-hmm. So. But without something like Jessica, that's not that big a deal. You know, yeah, it's going to take me three turns if I don't have Jessica to kill one player. The game's over long before that ever becomes an effect. becomes a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also because of something like Jessica that gives people the ability to one shot you. People are scared to death of this card. Mm-hmm. Almost disproportionately so. Yeah. Because. What Ishai is doing is if you're early in the turn order or even late in the turn order, people almost don't want to feed it, but they'll feed it anyway. And all of a sudden you get this really large bird on the table and they're like, I'm going to kill that player first. Not because they're the threat at the table, but the potential for them to cast Jessica, triple Ishai and kill me in one shot is enough for me to be disproportionately scared of this card. Mm -hmm. And then they'll target you even when you're not really doing anything else than putting an Ishai on the battlefield. You, do, you don't have rocks or anything. Let's say you powdered it out, turn one with a jewel lotus or something. And now everyone's scared to death of you. And then everyone else is running away with the game because everyone's so scared of Ishai on the table and the potential of them, you know, one shotting you and killing you. Mm-hmm. So it gets gilded draked disproportionately. It gets removed disproportionately. People will, you know, they'll target you relentlessly because of this card. Mm-hmm. It's not mana advantage in the command zone. It's not a combo enabler in the command zone. It's got okay colors, but you know, a lot of times you are partnering it with something else. So I'm willing to give it some leeway with that. But because of this, And the fact that so many builds out there are trying to be a storm Jeskai list, which, you know, directly contradicts and fights what this card is trying to do. So you're like, oh, I'm going to try and be this storm deck. Oh, but then I'm going to power up Ishai and kind of do nothing for three turns and then have everyone be scared to death of me and then just lose the game. You know, because everyone's like, well, I'm going to kill your grim monolith or whatever. So you don't cast Jessica. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's that's not what the problem was at this table. So I've played this deck a lot and I've seen a lot of that where the commander choices go directly against the direction people want to take the deck. Mm -hmm. I have seen other people try to toy with the idea of Voltron because Mm -hmm. that's a thing. But that still takes three turns to do. Mm -hmm. All of that being said, I'm going to put this probably in the C rank because of it. It it, it creates this unnatural, this creates this disproportionate spotlight on your head in comparison to what you're actually doing. And it, it enables too many other players to just run away with the game as a result. Yeah. Um, 
it's trying, you know, Jeskai colors, you know, like you said, frequently end up being Storm when they maybe should play Control more. Mm -hmm. So I think if a build came out that was more Voltron-y, which I know a couple of people out there do are doing right now, or maybe just a more heavier Control build that uses, you know, Ishai to close out the game, I might rank this one a little bit higher. But as it currently stands from the things that I've seen out there and what I have personally piloted, that I really don't see this probably above a C right now. Okay. Uh, Pongo, what's your kind of take on Ishai? Uh, I agree with a lot of what Ryan is saying. Um, so much so that I'm just going to straight up say that I'm giving Ishai uh, a C. Okay. Specifically, um, I am interested in uh, Ishai partnered with Jessica. Mm-hmm. I know that you Same. can partner Ishai with Timna and Sick Robot. Played a, quite a bit of that, and I played against that deck a fair bit. Um, and it's kind of like you're playing Edric. Uh, it's you know it, it's its own tempo deck. You're playing extra turn spells and draw effects with Timna to try to draw mm-hmm. into extra turn spells. And I think that that deck is still substantially worse than what you can do with uh, with Jessica in the command zone. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> why do I think that this commander deserves a C? Sort of like so strongly um in many ways i feel like this is the just the jeskai version of paco and halden um Mm -hmm. if you look at paco and halden you you look at their color identity green blue it makes sense that you know they're playing to this value ball plan that you kind of expect from simic decks and that's what they do and the red kind of like explains like the whole hasty side of it um, and like the, the green red kind of explains like why you have a big creature that's like growing and, and being aggressive. Um, you know, here we're talking about the Jeskai version of that deck. And so how is this different? Well, you're not playing like a value ball type strategy. Your commander's not generating like hard card advantage or, or mm-hmm. hard value in terms of putting cards into your hand. Um, Jeska is removing like things that your opponents might be playing. You know, she's kind of like mm-hmm. a pyroclasm effect. And that's very fitting for that color pairing um, for like Jeskai stuff. Um, you're playing a control strategy, like a tempo strategy, where you're essentially putting the bird on the table, taking out an opponent, you know, one opponent each turn, and then trying to lev- you're trying to minimize the amount of resources you need to leverage against the rest of the remaining players mm-hmm. um, to control them and just kind of ride out your bird to victory. Um, and in many ways, again, this is similar to what Paco is doing, but Paco is not necessarily killing quite as quickly in the sense that it's not one-shotting people until a bit later on, but it is generating card advantage to help extend uh, how much it can... It, it's sort of extending the game through that that mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um you know, this deck, on the other hand, is quite scary if you get a very fast Ishai out. If you get a turn one Ishai, I kind of disagree about how much you should respect that card. Because turn one Ishai, or even turn two Ishai, becomes a lethal threat against you if mm-hmm. each opponent plays two spells. It mm-hmm. becomes a 7-7 seven, seven at that point with just six counters on it. And then yep. Jessica's tripling that damage. So, like, each opponent needs to play two spells. Like, like talk to Chrome players and ask them like how often that happens, right? Like, like talk to rule of law players and ask them like what the whole point <laughs> of playing right. rule of law is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. 
So it's very easy for this card to become a big threat. And when it's in play and it's that threatening, um, it kind of acts like a stacks piece in a way. It exerts a lot of pressure because you don't want to be too far ahead. Because if you're ahead of all of your other opponents, you're target number one, which means that in some ways you feel pressure to stifle your own development or address the the threat on board. That's going to kill you if, if you're turning into too big of a threat. Um, so I think that in many ways, it's kind of like the Jessica, the Jeskai, excuse me, version of Paco and Halden from that angle. Um, and, you know, I, I do like how the colors work out. I don't know. There's, I don't want to get too much into this conversation, but there's a certain elegance to that that I like in terms of color pie and in terms mm-hmm. of how the cards play out and how you would expect them to play out. Um, but I do think that that's a natural parallel and it's natural to me that they're in the same tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Uh, I have liked a shy for a very long time. I liked it less during flash because everybody was just sandbagging everything. Right. Um, Especially now during an ad nos meta, I tend to really like a shy uh, for some of what you guys were saying in that it just gets big real fast. And, you know, here's here's what I think where I agree with you, Ryan, and go back to my point I made during the Elsha topic is I think there's a lot of people who are building this incorrectly. This is not a storm deck. Uh, I think Nathan and Brian Koval and the people who are doing the Delver approach with this deck are, have figured <laughs> it out and know exactly. They know the strategy and it is absolutely tempo. And that is, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. That's why I think it's a B tier commander uh, because of the fact, and here's my opinion on it. I think that it pairs with a lot more things very favorably. Here's a great example. I think it pairs very well with Tevish. I think it pairs really well with Thrasios. I think it pairs really well with Vile Smasher. I think it pairs very well with Rayhan. I think there's a lot of unexplored space with Ishai because for a very long time because of Flash Hulk that we all decided, well, it's kind of a big resource dump. We didn't have Jeweled Lotus. We didn't have all these things where now we have more room to play around with it. And I think if you're building this with the mindset of I'm going to build a Delver deck in these various colors, I think you'll find success with it. But I think if you're building it like a turns deck, I don't really think that's the way to be playing this card. If you're building it like a, uh, I, I think if you build it in a control shell, I think that can work too. Like a Staxi um, shell. Yeah, like a st- Staxi deck that has, it's your finisher in the command zone. I think there's a lot of unexplored space with this card. And that's, in in my opinion, I think people tend to, undervalue like people are like well it's good because jessica i'm like no it's good because it gets big really fast jessica makes it better but it's not good because of jessica it's better because of jessica and i think that on its own it paired now if we had more uh two color partners that were relevant 
outside of Timna and Thrasios and Krom, like uh, I think that would help it a lot. I think that if in the next Commander Legends set that they're doing next year, if they give us some more like two colored partners that are a little bit more, please. Uh, no. Well, no, we need more two color partners. We just don't need they they all need to be like vile smasher good, right? Yeah. Um we we just need some that complement its strategy just a little bit more. But I think for right now what we do have kind of limits you, which is why I don't think it's an A, but I do think that it is very much a B and has a lot of unexplored space and I'm telling you right now, listen to this I want to build Rayhan and Ashai. I think there's something there. And uh, I just, I, I think a lot of people have some unexplored space with us. Uh, but Ikra Ashai would be good too. Ikra Ashai. Yeah. I mean, there's there, the, tons of life. Exactly. I, I think there is just so much unexplored space with this commander. Uh, but moving on to a commander that went three and O. Oh. And Major League Commander. Uh, Cameron kicked so much ass with this deck. Is a Nala Archmage Ritualist. Uh, This is a deck that I ranked pretty low a year ago. And for a while, it was a meme that I didn't think it was that good. Uh, But Ryan, before we get to me and whether or not I've come around to on the quality of this deck, uh, what do you think of this and uh, where it falls on your tier list? Not a whole lot extra to add to this one that we haven't probably talked about with the other Grixis commanders so Mm -hmm. far. Good colors. uh, You know, it's got a combo enabler in the command zone. It's not a combo piece in the command zone, but it is a combo enabler in the command zone. And this deck has darted back and forth for a while now with the different pieces that come out. Um, it was on Wander Wine, and then like the Inala crowd was like, oh, Wander Wine is so five minutes ago. We're totally never doing that. And mm-hmm. and then it's on like a convoluted spell seeker line, and now it's on a like a scholar of ages line, and it or it's like, oh, our Kaomancer or Scholar. And um, so it's what that all means is that it's still being piloted. It's still being brewed. It's still being explored. And that says a lot about the commander um, that it hasn't been solved, if you will. It hasn't Mm -hmm. been figured out and then it gets stale. Um, So every new wizard that comes out gives people the potential to try new things with this deck, which means it's always always evolving, always improving. Um, That being said, I think that it's still probably along the lines of Kess for me. Uh, there's just we have such good quality in the command zone with Grixis nowadays that it's really hard to compare it to those. And if it doesn't meet those criteria, I can't put them in the same tiers. Um, I think it's kind of parallel to Kess. I believe I gave Kess a B. You gave Kess a B. Um, yeah. Yep. And I believe that's where Inala really stands here. Inala okay. um, is doing really good things. I I'm pretty sure it made top four table or if not top 16 at tier one. I believe it was um, top four. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So. so top four table with the Nala, you know, and this you know, everyone loves to play with shiny new toys. And so everyone's always trying out new things, which puts things like Zer we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. to the back burners. And people are still putting in work with Anala and doing new things with it. And I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I put her in a B tier uh, because I think that she can still stay relevant and fresh with every new wizard that comes out. So what do you think, Pongo? Where are you at? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of along the same lines as as Ryan. Uh, obviously, I gave Kess a, a higher rating to begin with, and I think that ultimately I'm just going to do the same thing here. Um, give it an A rating. Um, you know, 
I don't think that, you know, the one card win condition that Anala gives you is like the end all be all, so to speak, that like would put it over the top and make it like an S tier commander compared to like other Grixis options, like some people seem to. Mm-hmm. Um I think that when you're just playing ad nauseum, you're basically already playing one card win conditions. When you're playing pure into the abyss, you already have one card win conditions. So Anala doesn't really have things that those commanders don't have already in some form. Um what is what Anala brings to the table that is unique and strong is uh, a certain sense of resiliency to that one card win condition. If your spell seeker gets countered or um, your combo gets interrupted partway through. Well, that deck plays a lot of reanimation spells, and those are both things that you play to enable your combo, but they also provide resiliency to your combo. They also mm-hmm. let you do stuff with Dockside Extortionist. You know, they mm-hmm. there there's like interesting, you know, to pull up kind of an old term that a lot of people like to call meme at this point. There's some interesting layering there with some of the other stuff mm-hmm. that you're doing in terms of your like the utility of your combo pieces and some of your other plans. Um, that I think, you know, Anala, despite not offering much in the way of value, um, she off- obviously offers some value with wizards, but, you know, not not as much as some of the other Grixis commanders. Nonetheless, she has her strengths um, that set her apart from other Grixis commanders. And I think that, you know, she's she's on the same tier as Kess for sure for me. Mm-hmm. So we like to talk a lot about um value in the command zone right is there a more literal definition of that than anala it's literally value in the command zone like it it doesn't need to be on the battlefield at Mm -hmm. any point in the game you do not need to cast your commander it just needs to be declared your commander at the beginning of the game and it's already added value to your strategy what other decks can say that it's uh, imminence up is up there to me in broken mechanics of all time yep. as partner yeah yeah so it absolutely. is absurd to me and so a year ago i gave kess an a and uh said that or no i think i put kess an s tier and I put Inala in like B or A or something like that. I don't remember. Uh, but I've really come around on Inala. I, I really, it, it blows me away now how good it is. Now, here's why I'm not going to put it into S. And this is why I'm going to, I'm going to stand by it. Remember earlier where I was saying we can't rate decks in cards based on how the top 1% of magic players play it, Right. This is Mm -hmm. a deck that is horrifically difficult to just pick up and play. Cameron from the Lab Maniacs, who helped come up with a lot of the tech in the deck, right? He's been playing that deck for years, needed to write notes for himself in games. So he remembered the lines. (laughs) Yeah. That is how complicated the deck is. So to me, I'm going to put it in a, but that's my reasoning for it is I cannot in good faith, look at a new player and be like, yeah, you should play a Nala. Absolutely. 
Yeah, this is a great, great first deck. It's so skill intensive to the point where even experienced good players struggle with it. And mm-hmm. that I think is ultimately what holds it back from being S tier in my mind, because I think if it was, I think the moment it gets solved, it's S tier. In my opinion, the moment you can't improve it anymore and it gets really simplified and easy, that's when it becomes S tier because then it's so easy to just do the stuff. Right. But right now it's so hard because you have to know the deck inside and out. And I think that's a big ask for a lot of people. But if you're willing to take that on, I think it's an A tier commander for you. Um, I don't really think that the difficulty of executing your combo should really um, have like any impact on the tier of the deck. Realistically, I think that like, you have to kind of evaluate the deck from the perspective of like how consistent and how good is it at doing its thing and then like discount player skill and stuff like that because Mm -hmm. you could just as easily argue that like you know some other decks are going to be challenging to pilot along some other axis um but like not necessarily dock them the difference here though is the difficulty is in not the nuances, not the ways uh, you can play off of each other, the difficulty of making certain decisions. It's the difficulty of the line to win the game, right? Well, but that's like, what I'm saying. I think, like, if we're talking about, like, pivoting and stuff like that in, in the face of, like, potential interaction or potential stacks pieces, then sure, I would pretend, I would agree with you. To, or I would agree more with you. But I... I still don't know that that should be a factor in in how we evaluate the tier of a deck Mm -hmm. i mean yeah that's fair i i just think it's so inaccessible to people that i just can't in good faith say it's like the best around because i don't think and ultimately here's what uh, another aspect of this i don't think because of that difficulty it's going to see enough play overall outside of its dedicated base to ever get solved honestly elsha um, suffers the same problem yeah right when conless decks or decks with super convoluted lines are they fall victim to not growing their player base yeah they try it they lose four times in a row hate it and disassemble and it. and you have dedicated groups in in gitrogs that mm-hmm. way right like they're super yeah. dedicated um but like we're going to get to gitrog and how uh, we uh, how how highly do we really think of gitrog anymore right like oh we'll get to that yeah we'll, we're, we'll we're going to talk right. about it but yeah. i don't know that's how i feel about it i think it all is amazing i think that if you are comfortable on the deck i actually highly recommend it going into a blind meta because this deck can just like wallop people because you all you have to do is like in some cases resolve one spell and then you're just off to the races and you've won the game yeah um <laughs> four mana one spell so yeah but uh, next up, uh, I think this should be the first one or the second one across the board in who would have guessed it's another five color commander. Najila the Blade Blossom. Uh, what is there to say about Najila, right? Like it is the tempo strategy, right? Um, Brian, what is your opinion on uh, Pongo's baby? 
there is currently no better commander. I uh, hey. if there was a if <laughs> if there was a if there was a super S tier, I'd put it in. I'd put it there. So I S have seen plus. this. Got it. S plus. Oh I, we're God. not doing that. It's it's insta S tier. There has been. So let's it's in the best colors. It's super easy to cast. It's in the best colors. Um, it's in all the colors. <laughs> exactly. It's in the best colors. It's in five colors. You can literally play anything with it. If you're currently a TMS patron, uh, cancel and go become a patron for playing with power. Please don't. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> please become a there, pro- playing with power patron, but please, I, <laughs> please don't cancel TMS. Yeah. There, uh, this, this card is so good that you don't even need a combo. Five, I believe, unimpeded attacks is lethal. Five? Yeah, six. With Fungo, what is the exact math on this? It's, you it's know six. it, right? <laughs> what is six it? Six combat steps. Is it six? Okay, so it's yep. six combats, and the game's just over. Six unimpeded combats, and it's a that could be considered a combo if you it, by, by the loosest definition of combo. People have made this a aggro build, and it and it does put down and it puts down good numbers. People have made it a tempo strategy, and it puts down good numbers. People have made it a stacks build, and it puts down good numbers. I have seen we recently uh, one of our uh, team members, Mike. Made it a Winota deck. Punga, mm-hmm. you tried that before, didn't you? We and theory it put down. It. Okay. Yeah, it put down good numbers as a Winota deck. Yeah. This this card is does it just wins. Turns it's out just three attackers so is really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out, I mean, you could stuff just about anything into it. You put Edric in it. You put Timna in it. You put anything into it. It just gets better and better and better and better. There's just uh, it's gotten so much so to the point where I, I think they dropped Druid's Repository. Yep. Some people are dropping Nature's Will because Derevi is, is tutorable and easy to get and st- it does counter. everything you want it to do. Uh, it's it's just so unbelievably good that you could pack uh, Derevi Imperial Tactician, you know, all removal and still win the game. Yeah. Yep. It's just that good of a commander. It is the definitive commander to beat in my opinion, it is the top of the S tier. In my opinion, it's the mm-hmm. best commander out there. Callahan uh, already filled out <laughs> everyone's answer. I don't even have to say <laughs> it. I'm not even allowed to not say uh, S. It's already on the sheet. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, what else is there to say to this, right? Like, it 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 it, it went number one in the MLC draft for a reason. Like mm-hmm. it, it, we talked about this in the, the pre-draft stuff where we were talking about it, where we were just like, you are a fool. If you do not take this with your number one draft pick. Yeah. Uh, it is so good against everything, everything. It's hard as hell to stop. Like it's just, it, everybody has a bad matchup against this deck. Mm hmm. It's so easy to cast. Oh, three. Oh, I removed it. Okay, that's fine. Five. Yeah, no, yep. fine. Seven. I've seen people cast it for nine and 11 and Hongo, still win the game. How many times have you gone land, dork, jeweled lotus, Najila, pass? Like, I've lost count at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, we keep those hands. <laughs> it turns out, yeah. <laughs> There's there's hardly a bad hand in Najila. Yeah, it's got such high card quality. There are zero dead cards in it. You know, 
There's just it's I don't so know. I think step through is a pretty bad card, but you know, don't I don't mind step through. <laughs> I was about to say, like, like I said, where things like Druid's Repository was considered too dead of a card, and they removed it, and now people are putting Nature's Will on the chopping block, you know, and mistake, just putting things. But... Well, I mean, what I'm saying yeah. is, is that it runs such high card quality, like it's hard not to get a banana's hand. Even an average hand is a good hand. In those, like like you said, turn one dork into turn two Najila is With still good. all this praise being said, I want you all to know, as somebody who in their playgroup plays with two Najila pilots, I want you to know how deeply I hate this card. How <laughs> utterly deeply I hate this card. I have all the cards to play this and play it in my local meta, and I know I'll win a bunch of games with it, and I refuse because I hate this card so deeply it's so easy to pilot too we're talking about in all lines in the previous no not with najila it's super easy. wasn't this the that deck too. the the deck that you like told the professor he should play when you were on uh his show like uh yeah something yeah, along so those lines we did we did brew a merfolk deck for yeah him, that, that, but, that yeah, too i forgot but, about that but yeah the deck tech we ended up doing was najila yeah yeah, I think Pongo, you got anything to add here, buddy. Well, I was going to say it's uh, it's it's easy to grasp how the deck wins, but I don't necessarily agree that it's easy to pilot in the sense that being a highly interactive deck, you still need to have very good knowledge of the format. Yeah, um, I think that your magic fundamentals need to be really, really good to pilot the deck because so much of it revolves around combat, which means that playing limited is a very valuable skill to have for this deck because you need to have a sense Ew. for how opponents will and should block your attacks. Um, and and also you should know how to prioritize what you're willing to trade in combat. Um, I saw a really interesting game, I believe it was actually at the Playing With Power um, tournament recently, where the Winota player, well, the, it was two Najilas and Winota in the finals. Mm-hmm. And yep. the Najila player ended up sending essentially everything at the other Najila player and that Najila player like blocked everything. And I thought that was a pretty bad block, but even more than that, I thought that sending the Ragavan at the other Najila player was a mistake. Um, when they could have sent it to the Winota player and the only untapped thing the other Winota player had was a goblin war chief, uh, not mm-hmm. a goblin war chief. Sorry. Um, the one that creates goblin tokens uh, that have to attack. Um, you just oh, uh, explained. I know what you're about. You just like you made. I don't even remember what I was going to say. You just brought up like a bunch of goblin cards. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> sorry, uh, I just had an aneurysm. Goblin, I think it might be like goblin legionnaire or something along those lines. Yeah, in yeah, any yeah. case, um, yeah. But it's a two-two, like. You're supposed to attack with your one drop with two power into their three drop with two toughness, right? And if they block, you take that trade. Like you're happy to take that trade. And that's like something you learn in limited by playing limited. But also you're evaluating the fact that that card is so valuable for them because it's it represents two Winota triggers, right? So like you want them to block it anyway. Um, and in doing that, you realize that, oh, in many situations, I actually have good attacks where like a less skilled player might not necessarily recognize where they have good attacks because they just see, oh, somebody can trade with what I'm attacking with. 
I just want you to know the whole time you're talking, my brain is just singing like some assortment of fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. I hate this card, fuck you. I just, I, I listen, especially as somebody who deeply loves playing Lavinia and deeply loves that card, I hate playing Nichila. Granted, the matchup saw as bad now as it used to be, but uh, it's still just like every time, it, and maybe this is because I played against Phoenix so much, I just, and you, I just hate the I hate the card. I, I feel dirty when I play this card. It's that good. Um, I, I can also respect and appreciate, like you said, the subtle nuances of combat. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, this card slash deck is so good that any I, I'll be insulting. Any idiot can pick it up and stumble their way into a couple of victories. Yeah, yeah it's that good. For sure. I'm not saying that people who play it are idiots because that's obviously not what I'm saying. Here. No, I think Pongo. I'm saying idiot. that it is. <laughs> wow. It is. It's so good. It's so good that you can just you can just pull out wins. With Would it. you say it's so good even a caveman could do it? <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> on to another uh, card that is also. Why is this so generically good? Uh, is Corvold Fake Cursed King? This was a card that we talked about last year. That why does this card exist? Every time I look at it, I go, Why does this card exist? Ryan, sell brawl packs. Uh, this card is very good. How good is it? It's it's super great, and it's super great because it was a pushed card to sell brawl, mm-hmm. and it worked. Uh, it's super generic, still, it was super pushed. Um, all the things in that were, except for the weird Mardu one. That one wasn't pushed, but uh, like Chulane. Yeah, Chulane one wasn't that yeah. great. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. But yeah. like Chulane slash Holland, however you want to pronounce it, and Corvold, they were just super pushed commanders, and it was effective. And um, this card is A tier because it's just, it has everything you want in it. Draw cards, do all this stuff. What I do like about the card, uh, I'm sorry about this commander, is that people are kind of finally getting out of the food chain world of it yep. and maybe starting to push into other stuff. Treasure Storm is becoming a thing now, and that's super good. Uh, it's super resilient, too. Um, it's still a good a, food chain commander. Like, it, it is. <laughs> that's it, what's wild. I just, <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is that it's it, food chain, I think, as a strategy is kind of falling away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in favor of other strategies that are a little bit more immediate and win right there without a ton of setup. And just Corvold just enables that just to be able is able to crank that to 10. Your value generation becomes exponentially better. Like, oh, how can we break Dockside? Oh, wait, put it in Corvold. And now you can draw cards off your Dockside, too. That's ridiculous how good that is. Um, so things like Treasure Storm have been doing good work, mm-hmm. I think, pushing it in a good direction. But it's like it's hard to build a bad Corvold deck. Yeah. How do you build bad Corvold? It just is so good by itself that there's just never a bad build that I've seen, even in casual table. You could yeah, put in. You could just not play Dockside Extortionist. OK, sure. <laughs> yeah. Here's the uh, other even thing. Then, it, even without Dockside, it's good. You I'm could sorry, make it so good. You could make this deck. 99 lands in Corvold and it would still be really good. Exactly. Which just shows you how generically pushed this commander was. That is offensive to me, by the way, that this card, I could just put 99 lands in and this card would win a game. 
It probably won a game. It probably won a few games. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, so I would I would put this not in at a, a CDH tier, tier. <clears throat> not at a CDH but tier, but still in general. Um, Pongo, what do you what do you think? Where where is this? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, so I I do agree with pretty much everything that Ryan has said thus far. Um, I think Corvold is like a very stupid card, um, and it gives access to quite strong colors. Um, I'm not sure if I want to put it in like high B or A. Like, mm. I think I'm okay putting it in A just because of like the fact that I've put things like Kess and Anhala in A. But mm. I'm like, conf- I, I don't necessarily understand Ryan, the take that this is better than, than like Kess, for example. Um, or a, like Anala, but but I do uh, like agree that it's a very strong card and and a strong deck. Okay, so I'm going to argue on Ryan's behalf for a second to make my point. Um, I think it's better than Kess. I think it's better than Anala, and here's why. Uh, so here's here's some of the things that it does. It has a little bit of that Paco ability to it, right? It keeps getting big and has evasion and draws you cards and just hits people in the face for a bunch. And, Oh, I sacked a treasure. I drew 40 cards. This card has card advantage, inevitability, all the things that you are looking for and good colors, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, all wrapped into one. I think the only ding against it is it's five, five mana, right? Five, six mana. It's five, five Five mana to guess. I think that's like the only ding against it. And I think at that, I still say it's barely a ding because the thing has flying. So like it is, it is in my opinion, an S tier commander. And I don't think there's any question in my mind about that whatsoever. Uh, I gave it an S tier last year. I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to say it's an S tier because we were talking about the, 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 uh, those like Paco S qualities that the other ones have and how they have kind of struggled to overcome that. Corvold overcomes it, right? Like Corvold, it's not a problem. You remove the Corvold. It, we, I've already drawn four cards off of it that are, pure gas and I'm going to it's right back and we're in great colors to do that. I, I think it's easily better than Kess and Anala. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, we can talk about this another time. I just think that blue black is certainly stronger. We need to do an episode where we just evaluate three color commanders (laughs) because that in and of itself could be an interesting discussion. But anyhow, uh, onto a card that we ignored last year, much to the chagrin of Ken Bauman. Uh We didn't like, ignore this card. Is... I distinctly remember what I did for this card. Oh, did we not? I, oh, I no, you, we didn't ignore it. You <laughs> gave it two thumbs up. That's right. Um, <laughs> I think Ryan gave it two thumbs up and I flipped the coin. That's right. <laughs> so we have seen Kark Sakashima and Kark Thrasios become pretty good decks they're not you know i i think it, it, i i feel confident saying they're probably not s tier decks but they're pretty good they're they do their thing and they put up results ryan 
what is the grade, uh, Mr. Uh, Ryan, that you are going to give Quark the thumbless? Are you giving it two thumbs up again? So Quark is usually always paired with Sakashima. Yeah. It's basically two Quarks. Um, so it's really hard to evaluate Quark without, you know, putting it with Sakashima. Mm-hmm. However, I will do that for the sake of the fact that I did that with Ishai and I did that with, you know, others as well. Cause you know, a lot of times you see these together. Mm-hmm. So Clark was, it was, it was pretty good. Um, when we initially, uh, evaluated it, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the release of Strixhaven yeah. made this card so much better. A two drop in the command zone that allows you to achieve Magecraft. Uh, so your spells plus the copy also get your Magecraft triggers is absolutely busted. This is the same thing as you said with Oswald. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm going to it's it's so good. It's kissing. the It's kissing greatness. It's so great. It's almost there if we just printed the cards to get it. And there. then they did. And, <laughs> and then they did. They printed a bunch of cards that got it there. And the Magecraft mechanic really kind of sent this card through the roof. Um, now, I'm not I'm definitely not on any sort of S tier with this card. You know, it's in red, which is great. Um, it's monocolored. So there's a little bit of a limit. So you have to pair it with certain things to make it better. And a lot of times that pair is the is a combination with Sakashima making two carks. And it's it's really cheap, which is nice. Um so I'm going to probably put it. Yeah, like I said, with the new cards that came out with Magecraft and stuff really made this card very powerful. It made to, it made final four uh, at tier one con, actually mm-hmm. made top four. And that's that's saying something, because for the long time, this was this was seen as a meme deck. It was seen as a joke deck. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's really it's not moving out of the, it's moving out of that space now. And people are like, OK, I need to take this deck really seriously. So I'm going to put this into a B tier. Okay. Um, I, I don't think it's quite a, even with the Strixhaven stuff, um, you know, and depending upon what you pair it with will greatly inhibit what it can and can't do. Mm-hmm. I'll put it into B, you know, like it, it, it kind of sits there alongside, you know, some of the other stuff I put in there yeah. because there's just so, so many great cards just came out. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think, Pongo? Is this uh, an average commander to you? Um, well, for me, an average commander is more like a C. Um, okay. And then B is above average. But, you know, I do agree with a lot of what Ryan said. I think particularly highlighting the fact that this deck got a lot of new tools recently, right on the money. Um, that being said, I think that this deck is still a C for me. Um, I think that before it got those tools, I might not have rated it a C. And mm-hmm. after getting those tools, I think... I feel more comfortable rating it as a C, you know, putting it kind of in line with with things like Paco and and Jessica Shy and stuff like that. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. in the company of some very very strong decks, um, and you know, I I think it's a, it's a great deck. I think it's one of the coolest decks in the format for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, me putting it in C is a nod to the fact that this is no longer just like the most fun deck in the format. It's also a real contender now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so here's, here's my take on it. I'm going to try to keep this brief. Um, so 
Kirk Sakashima Storm is, in my mind, very comparable to blue-red, like, manual storm in modern. And I feel like they inhibit the same world in both formats, right? Where they're, in some aspects, you know, I don't think it will... Commander's weird, but um, like there are some times when Blue Red Storm and Modern is just insanely good. It's at the top. It's doing really good. And then there's some times where it, it's never at the bottom of the barrel. It's never at the bottom of the barrel, but it's always it's always creeping there under the surface. It's doing doing something. Um, And I think that it's kind of the same thing in EDH where it is the dedicated people to this deck who are like, this is their deck are excellent with this deck. This deck is really mm-hmm. good in those people's hands. And then an inexperienced pilot and it's, and I don't mean that as a knock against it. That's just kind of the reality of blue red storm. Um, and across all formats, really. Um, and so I think it's a C tier deck, honestly. I think that the I, I, I would have evaluated. I think I evaluated it as a C tier last year, probably. And I think I probably I might have evaluated that lower. Honestly, I just I don't know that it's a B tier. Uh, it's not a D tier to me, um, but it just feels like it is good in the hands of a good experienced pilot. It can be lethal, um, but overall, I think it is a pretty good deck. That is my opinion. <laughs> it is that is some deck, right? <laughs> you know. Uh, next up is a card that we. This was one that I overlooked, and kind of this, this kind of inhabits the same space as Tevish, right? Nobody really paid attention to this until Cobblepot started playing with it, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, then my I, I played against Cobble on this deck once and then was immediately like, oh, and then I saw uh, who who was it? Uh, we interviewed him on Hisp, play Kodama Sakashima, and then I was like, oh, so Kodama of the East Tree, Ryan, uh, where does this card fall for you? This is probably the hardest one for me to evaluate mm-hmm. um so there are a lot of factors that play into kadama of the east street this is the probably up there with one of the more busted mechanics you could ever print on a card let alone a commander it's the only good alone, kodama yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and and you know a lot of people are listening to like there's more than one kodama oh, yes there's many of them yeah this is the, yeah there's the multiple east kodamas tree. just think of the yeah, cardinal this is east tree kodama this is east side kodama so it's east side kadama kadama the east side boys <laughs> so oh i need that it, alter it, mic Lil, Lil please and the, and the <laughs> yeah. east side boys. exactly and so it's this card was printed on a commander with partner no less <sighs> this card there's it basically is like it kind of suffers, in my opinion, the the ad nauseum issue is that this card seems like such an unbelievably broken card because you do so much with it. Mm-hmm. 
oh, I play a land and I get a land. Oh, I play this and then I do that. Oh, if I get two Kadamas out, I'm just dumping my whole hand out and doing all this really cool stuff. And it you're doing a lot of things with it, which I think might be almost artificially inflating its value in a lot of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Because once your hand's puked out, you're sitting with one card in hand and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, that was great. But like, where's my plan at? So there's so much more setup that I think people realize is a thing with Kodama. And then I, I already hear in your comments as we're recording this now but it does this and it combos with Sunscorch or it does that or it does this other thing. And we can do all these great things with it. And it's so unbelievably broken. And it's like, I agree with you there, but I can't tell you the amount of times I've seen people actually resolve Kodama and do absolutely nothing with it. You know, mm-hmm. they poured all this mana into it. It's six, by the way. So the difference between five and six in CDH is monumental. Yeah. The difference between one and two is monumental. The difference between five and six is monumental. You have to dump so much resources into landing a turn one Krom or a turn one Tevish, and it's five mana. Hey, hey Ryan, and is there a difference between three and four, too? <laughs> No, those are exactly the same. Those are exactly the same. (laughs) Difference between three and four is nothing. The difference difference between one and two in your removal is fantastically large. You know, one and two removal is massive. Mm -hmm. But like, anyway, that's a side thing. Um, But like the fact that you can't, you know, like if you try to power out Krom on turn one with five, you usually can accomplish that with a jeweled lotus. That's really hard to do with Mm -hmm. Kodama. Yeah. You really have to commit every resource in your hand to landing a turn one Kodama. And then what are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. You need cards in your hand or you need something to enter the battlefield to do actually trigger something else to happen. Mm-hmm. And if you're dumping out everything into your Kodama, you don't really have anything to do that with no real follow up. And so that's the hard thing with Kodama, in my opinion, Some of the partners that you pair with it can make it better. And so, you know, I will lend itself to that with things because I did the same thing with Jessica and stuff like that. Or I'm sorry, with Ishai. And so I will give it that type of leeway. But so often I've seen this deck just flounder, Mm -hmm. you know, just not able to get what it needs to get in order to cross the finish line. And that's really what kind of knocks it that really busted mechanic out of the top leagues, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So the five, the the six drop is big. So no early Kodama, you know, that has any real value or impact. Um, The fact that you can peter out your hand without a real way of refilling it, really. Um, And so that really kind of just ends up in, I would say, I mean, my gut check is actually C tier. Okay. It really is. It's C tier. I mean, that's crazy thought when I'm thinking about some of the other things I ranked as a B. But, you know, what are you going to do? So I'm going to put it in C tier. uh, And there are, you know, sometimes partners that can knock it up into the B's. But for the most part, I think that people are kind of a little overvaluing this card. Yeah. So, Um, Pongo, what is your assessment of Kodama of the East Tree? Um, First of all, I just want to say this Ryan guy really knows his shit. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I agree actually just with everything Ryan said, um, it's a C tier for me and yeah, you know, I do think that the Kodama decks are, are very cool, but, mm-hmm. um, I think part of their initial strength was people not necessarily understanding how powerful the Kodama gimmick is. And now that mm-hmm. people know a little bit better, I think people 
play around it a little bit better. Um, and additionally, um, you know, I, I just don't think that the deck is going to be like consistently faster than like most of the other things you can be doing in a mm-hmm. lot of its a lot of its forms it's not necessarily a super um interactive deck so it's kind of looking for a particular metagame it's sort of parasitic in that respect um when it finds that metagame obviously kodama can be incredibly powerful as ryan highlighted mm-hmm. but you know playing it into just any pod or you know like like certain very aggressive pods where where people like actually mulligan to to good hands um mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that i i see it suffering in, in in a good amount of situations right i look at kudama of the east tree and i see it as the third best stacks commander in the format um i think kenrith is the best Winota's the second best, and then Kodama paired with uh, Timna specifically is mm, the third Absin, best. Absent stacks. Um, yep. I, I think in that order is how I look at it. I here here's where I, here's where I have the issue is um, I ranked Elsha at like a C, and my question is for myself: Do I think it's better than Elsha? Do I think it's worse than Elsha? I don't think it's worse than Elsha for sure. Do I think it's better than Elsha? It's a good question, my friend. That's a good question. And I don't think I do. So I think I'm going to say it's C. Uh, Let's let's put that as C. But uh, that is going to be wrapping things up for us here on this first episode we're going to make this a two-parter because uh these are long um <laughs> and but they're good they're good they're good uh, good conversation yeah, it's good conversation yeah. but uh with that ryan how can everybody find you over on uh playing with power if they don't know where you're at already so yeah you can find me over on playing with power mtg's youtube channel just type in playing with power into the youtube search bar you should be able to find us um and then you can also find us on twitter uh just type in playing playing power mtg is our handle but you can also find us there um and those are our main outlets where you can find us talking and jabbing and stuff like that if you want to sign up to our yeah. patreon uh you can find a link in the description of any of our youtube videos uh, and we have a really awesome Discord community. We highly recommend anybody who likes, you know, S tier memes. <laughs> <laughs> Miss uh, tagging me in your Discord all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but definitely check that out yeah. as well. We have a wonderful community and we absolutely love talking about stuff like this all day long. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys are some of the good ones. Well, that about wraps things up for us here. Just a quick reminder. You could follow us on Twitter at Sculpty Boys or you could find a direct link in our link tree in the description below. Want to also give an extra shout out to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on. If you too would like to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description below. Thank you all for joining us. And from all of us here at the mind sculptors and playing with power, I'm Callahan and we'll see you next time. I'm in line with the stars. I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep flower child from the turf. I never switch sides. Like even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad. Let up ties in the hearse. I've been on a vibe kind of hard to describe. I'm in between. I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle of the time of my life.
Self to the 